0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: Not, not really, because this time of year, any new coaching staff, you're, you're sort of putting the thing together. You're putting the playbook together, you're putting the details of each play together. And that, that has to start at a foundational level. That has to start as, at a simplistic level, and you build it from there. So we're able to have a lot of conversations as a coaching staff that aren't maybe necessarily player-dependent, and then as we get our team, our offense sort of finalized, locked in, you know, at every position, that's when you're able to sort of lock in on, you know, this guy's strengths, that guy's weaknesses, what we want to – do to emphasize such and such a player or build around a quarterback. Um, so those those will be ongoing discussions that that always get a little more fine-tuned as the as the year goes on as the team comes together. Uh, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Sometimes late in the offseason, um, when you get a young player in here, you know, a lot of times uh, the, the the personnel side of this game happens at different points in the offseason. When you get a guy in here later in the offseason, um I don't think you want to go crazy changing fundamentals and techniques. Maybe you just tighten something up here and there, tweak something here and there. Um, but I think definitely, you know, Shane's alluded to it in several press conferences. You know, I think we're we're going to build this thing around, you know, around the team we have, around the quarterback we have first and foremost. Uh, I think that's that's a that's a that's a staple of how we want to do things.
2: That was Colts offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. Speaking with reporters yesterday, a lot going on in the NFL world. The Colts have added a pass rusher. They have agreed to bring back one of their own as a whiteout. Cowboys set to release a pro bowler. Is it decision day for Aaron Rodgers, or is it announcement day? Probably is the better way to put that. And yesterday, a couple games underway with the first four. This is the midday show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fans. Scott Agnes, Jimmy Cook, co-hosting today. Eddie Garrison steering the ship here. Thanks for joining us here on this afternoon. A great sunny day in downtown Indianapolis. Good to have that despite the cold weather. But among those topics, Jimmy, I I think the general enough the in general world is awaiting to hear from aaron Rodgers after he's been in the conversation for quite a while yeah i look up at one tv and it's showing him on the screen uh, you know highlights talking about what's potentially next you had some games last night although to me it's just the first four it's nice to have in the background like we discussed yesterday but it's hard to really get engaged i think too much with those although that pit finish That was tough if you're Mississippi State. What among those things most piques your interest right now? Or maybe, as I look over and you're wearing a a special jersey, or is it the new Ted Lasso?
3: So the new Ted Lasso, since you threw that in there, is definitely (laughs) top of mind. Uh, AFC Richmond and Ted Lasso are back. Apple TV Plus, not a sponsor. Uh, Go ahead and get it, though. If you're like me, canceled your subscription uh, in October and now re-upped in March Highly recommend uh, no spoilers from your boy here. In terms Thank of the you. sports landscape, have not watched it yet? Yeah, so don't course. do that. I, was, I haven't I've,
2: started it yet, so I definitely yeah, appreciate yeah, that. Yeah,
3: no 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 spoilers from any of the seasons uh from this guy right here. In terms of the broader sports landscape, uh we'll start local. Uh Stefan Gilmore being traded to the Cowboys last night for a the conditional or com- compensation with a fifth round pick, I think, Eddie. Yeah. Um that's a two-way move. A lot of that is cap space for the Colts, which you hope leads to more spending whenever they're obviously making a couple moves, re-signing their own, um, and obviously trying to improve and fortify their defensive front, which I know we're going to get to here in a little bit. But yeah, I'm I'm locked into the Aaron Rodgers news like everybody else is, even though I think that two things are true. One, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if it's just, yeah, I'm still taking my time. I'm still thinking about it. Like if there's no official confirmation from... Roger is about what his future is going to hold. And two, if I'm a network, even though if I'm the businessman like Pat McAfee, I'm charging like a million dollars a minute or however you rate that, I'm trying to simulcast that bad boy in some capacity (laughs) because you're going to get eyeballs all over the place with it. And as you and I joked about when we were trying to assemble today's show, pretty much anybody who's anybody that's in the NFL, uh, their phones are off from one to or however long that conversation. Lasts. Absolutely,
2: as yeah, now both both TVs I'm looking at have uh, yeah Aaron Rodgers on the TV. I, it's a it's a fun pairing. I think Aaron is brilliant to do something like that because we've gotten to know him off the field. I've really enjoyed those segments where he joins each week. But I, Pat, in them, the boys don't need to get paid. I don't think at all. That that's pure marketing when he gets. The folks like Blake Shelton to retweet it. Adam Schefter to show, (laughs) hey, tune in. No. And some things you can just write that off as brilliant marketing and getting him to come on the show. Here's what I'm expecting him to say. Nothing's done yet. It certainly looks like I'll be playing in New York. All those reports nationally that I'm forcing my hand or you know requiring other players to come with me, that's not at all the case, although I think it is. Um, Because keep in mind, right now, until he – confirms his decision and a trade is completed, he still has as much say as he'll have in that franchise. Just like the best day for a head coach with a new team is day one. There's nothing negative you can say about him. You're the most popular you'll probably ever be in most cases as a head coach is on day one. And so I don't blame him if I was him, a Hall of Fame quarterback using some of that that power that you've accumulated and or Maybe you've had a lack thereof in your previous situation. And so I can't blame him at all for trying to do that. But Ashton Doolin coming back to the Colts on what was reported to be a two-year deal. I don't mind that. A, a low-budget risk Uh, risk-adverse kind of thing. If it pans out, great. If it doesn't, you don't lose too much. And a a player that I think coming in we knew was going to need some time, very raw in his skill set, did display great athleticism and those sorts of things, the traits that you absolutely desire, I think, as a franchise. But he had some bright moments in the past, but you want to see more. And that's true, really, I think, for the whole Indianapolis Colts wide-receiving core. You want to see more. You want to see what more they're capable of. And a lot of that, Jimmy, goes back to the quarterback question, and you can't really say too much more about that situation in terms of the offense until that piece is is panned out and a decision is made about what direction they're going there.
3: And the bigger picture thing I'm worried about in the quarterback spot, and I don't know what order this will happen, you would think, based on the NFL's calendar for agency first then the draft, that the veteran presence that you plan on bringing in, again, assuming and a key assumption here that they take a quarterback at four, yeah, is are you going to start him right away, or are you going to have a veteran stopgap, sit the guy for a year, and if it's the latter, you're seeing names already come off the board. I'm not saying they would have brought in Baker Mayfield, but it's a one-year deal and the Colts are making cap space uh, Baker to the Buccaneers, by the way, in case you didn't see that, uh, so he Has a couple stops last year, ultimately finishes with the Rams, and now is getting a shot to succeed Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. He's off the board. Again, this isn't a name. The next one I'm going to drop that I would have been interested in, Andy Dalton's off the board. So you're looking at these free agents. Garoppolo or Carr would have been – obviously Carr was a a trade acquisition, but going after those type of guys would have been, in my mind, the money spent, not a one-year stopgap. That's a new patchwork guy, a new veteran guy you're bringing in, like your Wentz, like your Rivers – so on and so forth, like your Matt Ryan. Mike White, gone. You're looking at potential guys that could have been a stopgap. I guess uh, Minshew's still out there as a potential option. But the more the free agency period progresses, the more it either leans to one of two things. Either the Colts are going to go trade for somebody at quarterback, or whoever they draft in April is going straight feet to the fire, which is fascinating to me because I wonder how much they're going to shore up the offensive line, even though they will expect – this new young quarterback that we assume they draft will be able to be more mobile, more agile, and clean up. I I can't remember who it was on the station that said it, but be a little mascara along the grossness of the offensive line at times. I'm all for, it's hard to say this until you know who the
2: exact guy is, but assuming it's one of those top four quarterbacks that we uh, presume are in this draft, right? I'm all for getting at it from day one. Because this is about building for the next couple of years. It's not about year one right away. And we all remember, for example, what Peyton's first year was like and how difficult that was, right? Did he at one time at least have the record for interceptions in a season? That's going to come when you have someone of that intellect of that uh, new to the league, right? I think one of the things you see with professional athletes all the time is that first year is not only about figuring out themselves, but it's a figuring out their surroundings. It's figuring out the opposing coaches, figuring out what those uh, defenses and cornerbacks and the audibles by the linebacker on the other side is wanting to do and is able to do. And so you got to have those growing pains. Those are necessary growing pains for a young quarterback. So when you're whomever this Next guy is in that seat, and hopefully he'll be there for a while because this will be year seven. Seven straight year, Jimmy, of a different face, different player to begin as quarterback for the Colts on opening day. That's got to end because that's, that's the position you really, more than anything, need to have stability, need to have continuity, and that also quite honestly goes along the same lines with whomever is in his ear, that guy being Jim Bob Cooter, and uh, we heard from him earlier in the open, played by Eddie, as we're starting to hear more from these these coordinators that are taking over, almost all new on the offensive side, joining Shane Steichen's staff. Defense, there's some st- stability, and, and I don't blame them at all because of what they produced last season. Mentioned it on the show yesterday. Defense was good enough to compete, to pile up wins. The offense fell well short of that.
3: The reason I don't get into, and I'm numb to it partially, but the reason I don't get into as much the seven straight season, which it'll be this year with a new starting quarterback, a couple different things. At this point, it's just a number now. It, It shows a larger picture of, hey, they haven't been able to get the quarterback, which is an important aspect of judging Chris Ballard. But, and you both can correct me if I'm wrong on this, if I'm an odds maker, or if I'm giving a percentage, the odds point towards it being highly likely again, unless they draft and start week one a quarterback from this draft class, it becomes highly likely that number is eight next year. That whoever starts week one here in six months Mm -hmm. is not the starting quarterback week one in 2024. So that's why that number is more of the mountain of, or the monument to their failings to this point. But it's going to increase again next year unless they... Take Anthony Richardson, let's say, for the sake of argument and start in week one, because to your point, they have to find the answer. They can't keep having new guy after new guy after new guy, having to learn a system, having to adapt, having to get familiarity and chemistry with that locker room and get the results they've gotten. It has to end at some point. Yep. But I don't think it ends <laughs> this season. I don't. It's a quarterback carousel. Yes. My first, than, yeah. My
2: my first description was going to be it's a caramel roundabout. <laughs> well done. Hop in, <laughs> hop out. Who's on this season? Let's go to the next round. All right, you're up. Let's give this a sure. try. I think the Colts now understand. All right, enough with that. We got to move past that. And so I, bar, barring a you know their quarterback not available at four, or I guess if it's Anthony, nah. Even if it's him, you got to go all in. You have to. I'm not worried about, about the backup quarterback because, again, the next couple of years are absolutely about that primary spot and getting that right.
3: And clarify, it's not about
2: wins or losses there. But you, what you do want, even more so in my opinion, than a, a capable player on the field is that mentor, someone willing to, to put his arm around this guy, to spend extra time in the film room, to go over the playbook, to explain – in great detail, that to me is well more important than a guy being able to step up and as a stopgap for two games if that quarterback's injured, right?
3: Yeah, and again, I'm not just to clarify my point. And I know you know this, but in case the listeners don't, do I think backups are valuable? They can be. Look like at Kansas City last year; like you need sometimes situationally a veteran that can come in and stabilize things for yeah. you. But I'm not talking about a backup. I don't. I don't care what they do with the backup. I'm talking about assuming. They are the type of franchise. I don't know what Ballard's thinking. I don't even know if Ballard's going to take a quarterback in this draft. I really don't. Like, they didn't trade up for his belief. That they didn't need to trade up. And they he doesn't see that great of a gap between these quarterbacks, clearly. Otherwise, if he had a favorite, I'd like to think <laughs> he would want to trade up and solve the answer at QB. So if you stand pat at four, yeah, I don't know what the guy's going to do. I'm talking about, let's say they actually do take the quarterback. I don't care who's backing up the rookie. I care about... Who is in front of the rookie? Because I would assume it's a coin toss in today's league. What do you do? Do you sit the guy or do you start him right away? Sometimes it has mixed results. Justin Fields, you got to see his raw talent on display last year. Throw him to the Wolves. Be you threw him right to the Wolves. Let's go. I, it, you, don't know, you have a small sample size on that because you don't know how he's going to look this year. But now they're going all in on, okay, we like what we saw from him when we threw him to the Wolves. Let's supply him with a ton of talent. Let's go get him weapons and let's see what this new season unfolds for him. The Colts are a step behind that, where they don't even have the guy right now. And based on how cautious the organization has been at times, it would not surprise me if it is quarterback at four, but you're bringing in a veteran during this free agency period right now. Somebody that could, in theory, be your starter, but not a long-term answer like Lamar Jackson or something crazy like that. I'm talking about the for the sure. Taylor Heineke deal or the the Andy Dalton deal or the Baker Mayfield deal. A smaller deal like that, it's a one-year contract just to be there as a vet.
2: And some of those guys, to me, don't make sense like a Baker because he's going to have a lot to prove. Sure. He's not going to want right. to hold hands with the 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 rookie here. Yes. And carry him along. He's yep. out to prove... I'm a capable starting quarterback yes. in this league. Yep. So that's where I'm sure the Colts are well aware. And that's yeah. that's kind of the, the type of guy that they have to go out and get. Big show for you here today on the midday show. Alan Karpik of Golden Black will talk Purdue and NCAA tournament. Look forward to a conversation. Zach Kiefer of the Athletic Colts, NFL free agency. It's amazing, Jimmy. And this also, again, speaks to the beast of the NFL. Yet at the same time, how they don't care about certain things as long as they're being talked about. Like, you go to the official NFL account, and on Monday, they said, like, today's the day with a signature sign. It's like, well, no, nobody can actually officially sign. I know maybe, you know, fans don't care as much about that, the details. But no, nobody has technically signed. You cannot sign right now. You've reached agreement on deals. I know I'm deep in the weeds here a little bit. But that's one of my pet peeves, and there's been several things I think the official NFL account has done jersey swaps on trades that aren't official yet for example <laughs> some of that can become official this afternoon being wednesday and one of those things also of note that becomes interesting is other teams can start officially talking with lamar jackson that's something they have not been able to do to this point and so you might be wondering you know why is nothing going on with him or why has there been no movement well for one He doesn't have a true agent. That's certainly hurting him right now. It's a complicated matter where you need guidance from somebody with contacts and someone that's been around. I'm surprised he hasn't done even a one off deal, like, you know, not even given the three or 4% annually that these agents do. Just hire him for this one specific thing. And then, secondly, the other thing here is by not having those conversations with other teams, you're not really. Sharing your message, getting your side out, right? That's the one reason I I think we're lacking his message. But a lot of NFL talk to come here. Still got some of his
3: message yesterday on Twitter. You you, you can can tell at
2: least where where he's at in that regard. And
3: to me, Jimmy, that was
2: bubbled up frustration. That was him taking matters into his own hands. It was him realizing, hey, look, nobody is out there advocating for me, which, by the way, is not happening because he hasn't hired anybody to be out there and advocate for him. Agents have a ton of roles. They wear many hats, some of which, quite honestly, is is therapist. It's the guy that's just listening to you rant about your situation. I've heard that many times. Right. But it's also about making sure you're in a good situation. It's about maximizing your value. So many different things um, that you don't want to underlook, especially when you're a guy of his value that is trying to negotiate, I believe, over $200 million and fully guaranteed. I don't think he'll quite get that far. He's already said on the record he got an offer of three years, $133 million, fully guaranteed. That's a lot, but he wants more um, than that moving forward. Trey Lyle's Indy native, by the way, suspended one game for his altercation with Brooke Lopez the other night. I don't know what he was doing. The game was in hand, and he wanted to mess with Giannis Andetokounmpo. That made no sense to me. Brooke, being the vet, jumping in be, in between, said, I got gotcha. you. You don't talk to our MVP that way. I think Trey probably knew he messed up right away and wanted to get the heck out of there. But that's a one-game suspension for him. As I mentioned, you had your Ted Lasso season three yep. come out. I got to get into that here eventually. I, I know I need to because there's too many, even those that don't post often on social media who are posting – Sure. About their excitement level for that. We got two more first four games going on tonight. Fairly Dickinson and Texas Southern in the 16 matchups. Then Nevada and Arizona State. Last night, did you catch any of these, Jimmy? Corpus Christi by four over Southeast Missouri State. And then a much better game, I thought. At least at the end. Actually, yeah, that's true. In the end, it was a better finish. First game was way more competitive, but Pittsburgh holding on to edge Miss- Mississippi State by 160 59. And Pitt, or excuse me, Mississippi State had all the opportunities. A couple shots late, a tip in opportunity, and they didn't get it to go. That was tough.
3: Yeah, I was texting one of my buddies. Uh, shout out to my friend Colin O'Connor, uh, one of my favorite college basketball. He's not looking pals. forward
2: to uh, St. Patty's Day at all, is he? Uh, Kevin D- O'Connor, D-
3: D- Colin O'Connor, but big, big uh, but yeah, big, uh, exactly. big Irish roots there for sure. But anyway, uh, we we'll discuss what, what we're betting or what the setup is, sure. and we both were, you know, riding the uh, same horses in terms of where our bets were last night, and he kind of summarized that it was quintessential March Madness. It was just the level of drunkness on both of those games was <laughs> right? outstanding, particularly the Pitt Mississippi state game where we have one of those just iconic. No, no, no. Yes. Threes hit by pit late. Uh, the, the draw up by Mississippi state to get that three open in the corner because everybody thought it was either going inside on a lob or they were going to go uh ball side for a corner three, just a beautiful look and, and, and hats to Mississippi state for drawing that up on the out of timeout. But I thought that was going down the putback. I was happy, and Eddie went three and zero or two and zero as well. So he went perfect. I went three and zero yesterday uh, on the college side. That was thrilling. And then the end of uh, Southeast Missouri State. I'm a petty gambler, so even though Eddie mentioned it, Corpus Christi's down their best player. You sure you still want to back them? I'm like, yeah, I do. Part of it was because <laughs> I can't remember who they played. So this tells you how the petty level is strong because I don't even remember who they played. Uh, I bet against Southeast Missouri State in their conference tournament final. Thought they had the game won in regulation, their opponent. They did not. Foot was on the line, went to OT. And uh, so money was out of my pocket because of that. Redemption was had for me last night. Sorry, uh, Simo. See you later. That's all I got.
2: I can't get over that finish. (laughs) Like Mississippi State had the opportunity. Yeah. Twice. It, was, it was awesome, I will say, in the last couple of minutes. They were kind of going basket for basket.
3: Yep. Be- that's exactly Madness, what you want. Most lead changes in a game since 2018. Fantastic. It was beautiful. It was everything I want in a March Madness game. It's why and you didn't fully poo-poo. You poo-pooed the sixteens, which I get. I was someone in the boat with you there, even though I watched both. <laughs> but the, that's why I love the 11s. Because it's the teams that are the last four that are supposed to be in the dance, fighting to get into the real first round. And, yeah, I want that. I want punches. I want haymakers. Back and forth we go. And, yeah, I was happy that my bet hit as well. So it worked out both ways.
2: For me, there's nothing better than watching the emotions of these, like, 19- and 20-year-old kids and realize how one shot, tip. how one missed tip in completely sways the emotion on both sides. I thought that felt devastated back. for that corner three. Wide open. The defense was settled back. They were not clearly – going to give up a, a lob they're not going to give up anything inside the paint so they say go
3: ahead shoot away yep and, and the step back actually worked from out. um southeastern missouri i thought that thing was going down he got separation did the classic guard push off that they just <laughs> don't you know doesn't get called in today's game which is fine but he got separation with it i thought it was going down really did uh, you have any elation from any of those games were you locked in retuned in
4: uh i was able to watch a little bit of the corpus christi game and a little bit of pit i didn't get to see the finish in either of those games okay. though so which is the uh that's the unfortunate part on my end you
2: guys done your bracket yet i have not i need to get on that here today i did leading it because you can't wait till tomorrow by the way no you get so- till 11 a.m and then something comes up Yep. That's you what a I phone tell people. call you got lunch in the microwave you totally forget then it's noon and you totally screwed we
3: up. We have a family bracket challenge, and I run the thing. It's just for bragging rights. There's no like big prize at the end, but perhaps that could motivate people more. But I'm texting people like, hey, <laughs> you better get your bracket done if you don't do it. yep. And you, I, they're like, when is it due? I'm like, well, technically, you need to get it in by game time. Starts at 12.15 on Thursday. But don't wait. Do it tonight. Do it tomorrow night. Do not wait until Thursday <laughs> morning because, yeah, you'll forget. Something will come up. You're not going to pause a meeting. With a client to be like, hey, listen, I got to fill up my bracket real quick. I apologize. Sorry. That's one of those situations.
2: Don't even get to the deadline, right? Like, no. like something's coming up for renewal. Just cancel it two days ahead of time. Don't get to that final yeah, day. Totally and agree. so, in this instance, I mean, I guess maybe you could leave one. If you're torn between a game or two, you could get maybe there to that last day, but that's not worth it at all. And there's so many different brackets out there. And I, I do laugh. Like we talked about yesterday on this midday show, Jimmy, the, the few people. That have the nerve to go after, and yeah, how many, who do you have winning? Yeah, I don't know, which bracket?
3: (laughs) Yeah, one of my ten. No, no, that's not how you play. If they're all... That's not how you do it. If they are, if you're, this is where I'm all making an exception. Okay. I don't do this, but I get it. Because some people take it super seriously, and it's their, it's their betting, or their version of betting. If you're in ten bracket challenges, and you've spent 25, 50, 75, God forbid, 100 a pop, okay do all the brackets you want it's your money but if you're just like we talked about if you're gaming the system just to be like hey i still have a perfect bracket right just for fun
2: and to be clear entries if you put the
3: same bracket
2: in five different pools i'm great with that you're good it's when you have six different winner anything beyond final fours yeah yeah, i'm good with the two yep one with your heart and one with what you actually sure. thinks happens. Totally fine with that. A lot to talk about here on the Midday Show. Jimmy Cook, Scott Agnes, along with Eddie Garrison here on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 1 o'clock, Alan Karpik. And 2 o'clock, Zach Kiefer joins the show. But there's something else, Jimmy, I want to talk to you about when it comes to NCAA Tournament. Beyond the bracket, there's something else that seems to be picking up more steam. We'll talk about it on the other side here. As you're listening to The Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Jimmy, before the break... I was teasing about something that's beyond brackets that's really taken over, at least my phone this week, and that's squares. You know what I'm talking about with squares for the NCAA
3: tournament. So I understand the concept of squares, okay. But I've only ever used them in the Super Bowl, and okay. now you've enlightened me, and I'm sure you'll enlighten the audience in case they don't know for this elevated craze. I don't want to <laughs> say new craze. So I'm sure it's been around, but I've yeah, done. I don't
2: think it's. I think it's just more elevated. I mean, at least within my different friend group because I have about four or five different ones that I was hit up about. I ultimately decided to do like a couple because after a while then I become the guy I don't like that I was just talking about (laughs) where you have so many brackets where you have so many numbers. It's fun to get in and if anything, it reignites some some friend groups as well. There's that other part of it. It's another way to stay in contact with some people and, and kind of have a rivalry, I guess or if you will, some battles. But if you're unfamiliar, I'm talking about just picture a giant Excel spreadsheet, right? And it's you, you have these empty squares. You buy in. You pick a couple of squares up to, you know, four or five, I think, generally. You try to cap it off so one guy doesn't have 15 squares here. And you randomize the top number. You randomize a side number. So, you know, one through or zero through nine on each side. And so let's say my numbers are three and one. What I'd be really rooting for is a game that ends 73-71. And then in each round, with each progression, you got additional money coming in, you might lose. And then that also, more than anything, adds some stake at the end of the game. right? You know, that last basket, maybe you really needed that to go in, or you may need a miss free throw. I don't know. It, it's added stakes. And again, the other reason I really like it, Jimmy, is it, 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 it leads to more conversations for those um, that maybe you stay less in contact with.
3: I love anything that's going to re-energize relationships, friendships, camaraderie. So I'm always down for that, regardless of what it is. Bracket challenge, mm-hmm. squares, you name it. I guess everything you just described to me, though, is what I can get out of laying the points. Or scooping the points. I got that same problem at the end of the mission game. Over and, and, there. Hey, man! <laughs> yeah. I, in that situation, when money's on the line, I'm not. I'm not a team player. Everybody, everybody, get out of here. No, that, I'm just kidding. But I. But yeah, I mean, it. No one has uh, created one of those within my circle. Okay. Uh, Eddie had not heard of them before either, or didn't well, know they I, were used. You, I, just, I, you I knew, knew what it yeah. was, but you didn't know they sure. were like. Because I yeah. think
2: a lot of people do this for the NFL. Oh yeah, and you're doing it maybe per quarter, or half as yeah. well. Whereas this, except for the championship game. For, for the ones I'm involved in I mean, it's purely by game and the winning amount increases which e- with each r- r- round excuse me I like which makes it. perfect sense
3: um you might have already said this so I apologize and I'm also putting you on the spot so if you don't want to reveal it that's fine too what was your entry fee I think it was
2: for they're different for each one obviously Okay, the one that there's a $20 yeah, yeah, one I think there was a thirty dollar one. Uh, obviously, it's variable.
4: Anybody could say. I it. mean, he rolls in the cash. I mean, know,
2: that's why I was asking. On.
4: I wanted yeah. to make sure. He, if we he were. just sleeps on a so, house of money. <laughs> so
2: this isn't going to surprise you, I don't think at all. There was one I saw that was a two fifty buy in. To me, Man. That, To
3: me, that's pressure. That's no longer fun. It's high stakes, right? That, that's that, a that's... heart attack. <laughs> and you don't right. have. You don't, that's it, it. Is literally chance. Like not that a normal bet isn't. But at least with a normal bet, whether it's spread, strategy you can do the research. You, exactly. You yeah. can game plan and decide how you want to attack it, what angle you want to attack it from there. it's <laughs> Obviously, it's better than a lottery ticket, but it's yeah, a lot to chance for that amount of money. To me, that's leaving it truly
2: up yes, to chance, as like you just said. You cannot influence it. You cannot put in any effort into that. But anyway, if you don't know much about it or you're looking for something to do, I would highly suggest it. I think that's a, a nice way to stay engaged with the tournament and, and f- another way to... I don't know, follow along with a 1 p.m. game maybe that ordinarily you wouldn't care much about.
3: I always find it funny, and there's not a ton of people that are like this because as it's become more prominent in the state and around the country, people have stopped clutching their pearls about gambling. But I always find it funny, people that are like, ah, sports betting, we can't do that. But... We'll play a square or we'll play like a 50 50 raffle or we'll, but but we draw the line at sports
2: betting and always. How long have we had 50 50 raffles at high school games? I feel like. Did did you say
4: clutching your pearls? Yeah, I did. did. I did. Is that
3: okay? What do you think of when you hear somebody clutching your pearls? Uh,
4: I don't know. I've never you, heard of that before. That's, that's a have. new one. I have. Thank yeah. you. That's right. a new one for right. me. It's
3: a, I, 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 I'm going to be the guy to do Did this. even age though a two year gauge gap. Yeah, it's, 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 it's these youngsters <laughs> over here, even okay. though me and okay. Eddie only are separated by like three or four years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's Eddie Garrison producing today's show with Jimmy Cook. I'm Scott Agnes. This is the midday show. And yeah, I, I hope, hopefully, those squares gave some, some ideas to some fans out there. From the Colt standpoint, They're trying to uh, fill out their squares and figure out exactly what this team is going to shape up to be. And, and Jimmy, things got
3: a little bit more interesting in the last 24 hours since we signed off. Yeah, Sam Sinabukum from the Los Angeles, from the 49ers, I beg your pardon, San Francisco 49ers, comes to Indianapolis via free agency, three year, $27 million max deal per Adam Schefter. Jeremy Fowler, I think, had it first. $11 million in the first year, so you're already seeing the Colts do a little bit with the cap space flexibility they have, which is nice to see them being proactive in that regard. Uh, Zach Kiefer also was one of the ones reporting on it and speculates we're going to have him on today at two, that that's likely the end of Yanit Ngakwe's time in Indianapolis, depending on how Chris Bauer is budgeting things. I'm not mad about it. I uh, had 34 pressures last year. It was a crew high for him, uh, or two years ago uh, in general, back in 2021 is a nice additional piece whether it's just from a rotation or an aggressive standpoint along the line that can help this Colts front you need to find a way to not regress along that line because you talked about how the defense was the benchmark or the watermark for this group a year ago and people want to point to oh well they fell apart towards the back end of the season you know what I would start to fall apart too if atrocious things were happening to me like 17 points a game or a collapse against the Vikings. Yeah, I would start to kind of lose my will with nothing to play for as well. Uh, They proved more often than not last year that that's the backbone of this team right now until you figure out things offensively. They shore up a defensive end. I'm here for it.
2: Yeah, the biggest frustration. I I just try to put myself in the shoes of one of those defensive players and that had this last season had to be terribly (laughs) frustrating because the majority of the time they did exactly what was asked of them they got stops they strung together stops they kept the opponent down at least in the first half and then I think the combination of frustration of time on the time of possession time on the field just continued to pile up and I think that's why Jimmy more than anything that we saw those last couple of games where they were just brutally outscored in the second half you know I think the biggest change that I was stunned to see last season was the takeovers yeah turnovers yeah takeaways I'm going with iU football I, I think, was gonna right throw there. yeah I, I was gonna have... throw away yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was the lingo I was going with. Yeah. but the the fact that I don't have the exact number in front of me but I think they led the league two years ago with like minus yeah. 17 yeah. and then this year they led the league in turnovers total awful like you're not going to win that's that's like in basketball if you're piling up 20 turnovers per game you'll win a game or two in reality that's who you are and that's not nearly good enough
3: in a perfect world where you are playing against the high-powered quarterback list that we've continued to stress and that everybody knows Mahomes Burrow Allen etc you need to be able if you want to be at your best offensively to get consistent pressure with four you have to be able to do that. And if you lose somebody like Ngakwe, you need to replace it. You can't afford to have another weakness along this line. Uh, that, again, I'm not, like, raising pom-poms here for it, but I told you I wanted something to happen yesterday. This you got is nice. plenty. You got, got plenty. I got, uh, yes, I, I, got, I got some re-signings. I got some <laughs> free agent signings. Uh, the wheels are moving in the right direction. It was fun, Gilmore. I don't mind that, although you do
2: have, to, in general, spend anyway. So, to me, this is one I say, okay – I think I'm good with it, but let's see how the rest plays out because only then will I think you have a better idea of how this cap space was used. If it's just sitting there in six months from now and they don't use this additional $10 million in cap space created, then I think if you're a Colts fan, you're absolutely frustrated. You're like, look, what, he was incredibly talented. We need help back there anyway. What are we doing? However, if you see it used here in the next month or two, then you're feeling much better off, I think, because, one, you allow Gilmore, a veteran, by the way, yeah. to go off and have a real chance at winning. Maybe he has less desire, less desirable considerations to mentoring and that type of thing. That's not for everybody. Some don't want to do that. Others look at it the other way. Go to the Pacers. George Hill's very capable of still playing, but George Hill very much wants to mentor guys. Right. He wants to take care of and advise the younger guys.
3: It's a career shift.
2: 100%. It's understanding you have more value than just you being on the court. It's the value you can create in helping your teammates. And in doing so, you lift everybody up, presumably, and and help that next generation. George Hill doesn't want to get into coaching, but this is a way he can kind of coach in a very different
0: way.
3: And we talk about not just the career shift, but it is the priorities and what's most important to a player as they – Head into the back end of their career. Sure, you can still play, but for in George's instance, you're at a franchise and a literal city that is home. It's not like one of those where it's like, oh, this is the sure. team that drafted him. Lance literally Stevenson, home, right? Right. That's exactly. the one I laugh exactly. about every time you talk. Right. With Lance. He goes, it's
2: Lance's home, but it's man, Indy's home. Exactly. It's
3: like well, Brooklyn is, but yeah, right. we know what it means, right? And for George, it's literally <laughs> home for him. So the fact that like he wanted to stay and that this is where he wants to be in terms of in this role right now wanting to mentor and still getting some minutes when when need be. But yeah, I, I like that a lot. I mean, there's there's you and I are very much pro human interest stories. We love the the uh, whether it's to draw smiles or draw motivation, uh, regardless what drives somebody, those are the type of stories that we really love to consume and a lot of people love to as well yeah, we want the winning and we want the, sure. the the reaction pieces after a loss or whatever the case may be. But those type of what makes the roster turn, which straws are stirring the drink, and being able to accept a role like that or transition into a role like that as you're a veteran in any sport is always fun to see. And by the way, I think
2: Gilmore still has a lot more
3: to yeah, give. Yeah, to be that,
2: clear. That is nothing. That's just in addition right. to what's going on there. But him going to Dallas, and opening up really been 10 million in arms. cap space.
3: I've never really been, and maybe it's just seeing different teams do this. I'm, I am I want to have one lockdown corner, ideally, right? Every, every defense would love to have a number one, a lockdown guy. Outside of that, I view cornerbacks, if you can evaluate them the right way, and it's tough to do the same way that franchises view quarterbacks, corner and quarter, right? I'm trying to make people know I'm not saying the same thing twice in that if you can succeed on a rookie or young deal, like you don't need to have just all your money invested in cornerback. I'm not saying the Colts had that, but if you can replace Gilmore with a young piece, whether it's in the draft or whether it is in free agency, that is comparable or close to it, it's not the end of the world for me. I I much would rather invest in either your safeties or your front four than giving the entire bag to a group of corners. So I'm I'm not mad about that cap-saving move. And
2: what we do know here is Chris Ballard believes continues to believe this has been his philosophy and remains it is you take care of up front on both sides sure. first and so i think that's right away what Don't we agree saw. as much
3: on the offensive end but yes that is what he believes for sure
2: and i think now at least he admitted hey that that offensive line was not nearly as good enough it yeah. wasn't good enough and it wasn't nearly as good enough as we expected going into the year. I think he acknowledged that rightfully so in the, his press conference during the NFL Draft Combine. And And so I think that's an area they need to shore up. I saw Zach Kiefer tweeting earlier today, and we'll ask him about it as well coming up at 2 p.m. as he joins the midday show Here is right guard, that's something you need to attack and shore up. And there's been also plenty of talk about Ryan Kelly, his future. Is it here? Maybe it's unchanged. Or is that maybe a guy you try to free up some cap space with? He was so good, and then kind of like the rest of the offensive line. I don't blame, put entire blame or anything on just him. But that offensive line regressed. And, and he being the center of the offensive line, it starts with him.
3: This is more me just throwing it out there versus having historical context to back it up. But I never remember growing up, regardless if it was Colts or if it was the national NFL stage, you hear about, oh, contract year, guy got paid, guy regresses. Mm-hmm. I, I never remember hearing those type of complaints as just outwardly as it is here in Indianapolis with an offensive line and it not just be fans complaining to complain. Like, it's legitimately factual. There's a number of pieces of this old line you can point to. Is it the only thing? No, probably not. It could be coaching. It could be cleaning up a few things here or there, but. As you invested all this money in the O line, everybody's cashing their checks. Everybody's going to the bank. The regression has happened. Is it a a correlation? I, I don't know. I don't have the evidence to necessarily say that. But that's what you would say if it was a wide receiver. That's what any fan would say if it was a wideout. If it was a wideout that got paid just a stupid like twenty five million a year contract and <laughs> then went from you know a thousand yard seasons to like eight hundred without an injury, yeah, you'd be a little worried. Be, little concerned if maybe it's buyer's remorse now. So what they will do to clean up that O-line and the moves that will follow are as important in terms of what we're tracking and what fans want to know as what they're going to do at quarterback in April's draft.
2: To your last point, it's absolutely noteworthy with Q because he agreed to that deal. I believe it was right before the season. To me, from afar, I see that as there was no one big thing. There was yeah. a number of factors, beginning with instability at quarterback. It all goes back to that. With that Colts franchise is <laughs> that's so that's why so badly they need to shore that up. They had to clean that up and have their guy for the foreseeable future. The other thing is you you need that stability on the offensive line. You've had a couple of the guys: Q, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, right? But a couple other pieces did not match the expectations that at least the Colts front office clearly said they had going into this the season. And, uh, yeah, so you're at a point here, I think, with this Colts team now, with outside of place kicker, they figured that one out. Maybe running back, although you're always looking to, to add to that department because it's an ever-changing, ever-evolving rotation of backs, I think, with any team. As today we saw reports from Dallas where – Ezekiel Elliott expected to be waived here and have a uh, different franchise, move on to a different franchise. Outside of Matt Gay, though, Jimmy, I think every position needs to be reconsidered with this with this Colts team right now because they're just not good enough.
3: Yeah, especially on the offensive end. And we, we've stressed that yesterday as well with the hangups at wide receiver in terms of the Panthers trading – With the Bears and DJ Moore being involved in that. And how much do you value this receiving core? And okay, now that trade's done and gone. Here we are looking at the Colts roster. And you shore up Ashton Doolin, who again, by and large, is you you need to have pieces in that receiver room, regardless of what their role is at this point. You're not setting that in stone right now outside of your top guys like Michael Pittman Jr., like what you expect from Alec Pierce next year. You need to have depth. Bring it back, Ashton Doolin, for the money they did. I'm not mad about that. But where do they go to fill up the other holes with Paris Campbell departing? Is it they have their eyes on guys in the draft? Are they looking at this class of free agents? It's not a star-studded class once you get past the top two or three names, but there is speed still available out there. Everybody knows this. I'm a Kansas City guy. I get it. I'm not kidding when I say one of the fastest free agents available is Mecole Hardman. What kind of uh, market is he going to demand from a money standpoint? It's not going to be, I wouldn't think, unless someone really, really wants to spend any more than what Jacoby Myers just got from the Raiders. There is avenues to go address it in free agency if you want what we've been clamoring for for a long time, which is playmakers with speed that can get separation And that can help whether it is a safety gap on a check down, whether it's a go ball for whoever the young quarterback is in April. I want to start seeing the answers to that puzzle unless they really are waiting until April's draft. In the short term, my first thing
2: would be tight end. I want that go to tight end for the next decade because I think that's become a quarterback's safety valve. I don't don't disagree
3: with that at all. And we saw one go
2: away yesterday, right? Yeah. It's third down and four in the first game of the season or in the Super Bowl everybody knows it's going to Travis Kelsey and he still gets the completion he still makes the catch and he probably gets you three times as many yards as you actually needed. so I think that would be I don't see any of the the current guys as true number one tight ends now they might be Frank Reich certainly didn't believe they were that route because he never threw to him He never called plays for him, So that told me right away exactly uh, what he felt about uh, those tight ends. So I think that would be imperative. And from what all the experts in the draft believe, the guys who study this year-round, very good tight end crop. So maybe you add one of those. And then, Jimmy, I completely agree to your point. Speed kills. We're seeing it in all kinds of sports. You've got to have athleticism and speed. And the Colts haven't really had that since what,
3: T.Y. Hilton? Of a guy who could consistently do that. And and stay healthy with doing it, right? You had that in theory with Paris Campbell. And in his defense, he put together a healthy campaign last year. Like That's not a knock on him. And honestly, with all the ups and downs he's had to deal with, assuming it's not here in Indianapolis, yeah, I hope he does get paid. I hope somebody invests money in Paris Campbell and his work is rewarded for finally being on the right side of the injury bug. But to your point, you look at this year's fantasy class from a tight end perspective. Mike Giuseppe, he's had moments in Miami, but he's not in the same tier. And you're going to have to spend a premium if you want the same tier as we want to use Kelsey and um, Kittle. But if you want to throw Mark mm-hmm. Andrews in there, or whoever you want to throw in, Dalton Schultz available as well. But you're going to have to spend money
2: to do it. I hate to bring him up, but I kind of like the Ryan Grig- Grigson way of doing this. Okay. You
3: draft the tight end to grow with your quarterback. Well, that's what they're hoping with Jelani Woods, so right? I mean, that's... Whether you're not... You can think perhaps. he can take that leap or not. That is in some way how he's evaluated. I could see that.
2: But so far, we haven't seen him make that jump.
4: And- I mean, they have four tight ends on the roster already. You've got... Mo Ali Cox, Alec, or Drew Ogletree, who's coming off injury, who I think mm-hmm. they're very high on. I think Kylan Granson's solid, and specifically a pass catching role. He can't block at all to save his life. So that would be if they were to get a tight end, it would have to solely be an inline blocking tight end to kind of replace Jack Doyle. And if you did that, I think you would have to part ways with Mo just to get rid of that contract, uh, and then of course Jelani Woods.
2: Well, let's put it this way then: one of those guys better step up. I want to see more out of them, and and that that also, by the way, goes on the offensive. Court. And I don't want to it buy it goes committee. on the quarterbacks. Court.
3: I, I don't want to buy committee. Who which, is the which, guy? Which, that that's the that's the key, right? And, and Eddie, I think you would agree with this as well. And it's not fully fair to Jelani because it was a rookie season last year, if I'm not mistaken on that. And that's an entire just revolving door of situational placement for those tight ends for a number of different reasons. Eddie lined out. I would like a leap. Somewhere. And, and I don't know if you're going to necessarily get it from Molly Cox. I suppose you could. But in terms of growth and jump, you're either hoping for better situational and in-game blocking improvement from Kyle and Granson. Or you're hoping for that second leap as a pass catcher from Jelani Woods. If that happens, then yes, great. But if it's another by committee role, I, I agree with you. Tight ends are not like the make or break. But, yeah, it's an awesome safety valve if you have the right one for a young quarterback.
4: The argument I want to make here about the about the tight ends, I don't think it was a by committee rule. I think it was just a lack of knowledge on what to do offensively last year post-Frank Reich because nobody knew anything.
2: But the, even pr- with Frank Reich, who should know this offense inside right. and out, I, I, I want to say there was like the second game of the season, something like that. They targeted – didn't Jelani Woods have like two touchdowns? Yep. And then Jelani, it felt like he didn't – have his number called? Yeah, much of the rest and of the a lot season. of that's quarterback
3: so, play too. We we hundred percent. We, 100%, we that, all that has to be that. acknowledged as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, I agree with you, Eddie. And it's a coin flip of what's more to blame: the quarterback, the lack of a true uh, organizational figurehead at head coach, or the tight ends. Who do you blame in that spot? All I'm saying is. I want one of them to be the go-to number one without question I agree heading mm-hmm.
2: it and I, I think we're on agreement on that and I think we've seen that from all these championship caliber franchises here lately I mean yep. <laughs> you had that Tom Brady and Gronk obviously Kelsey and Mahomes Philly had a couple of center or, or excuse me tight ends that they could call up and often would score touchdowns there in the postseason so that to me selfishly that's what I would like to see um from that end. This is the Midday Show here on 107.5 and 93.5 The Fan. Jimmy Cook and Scott Agnes along with Eddie Garrison. How about a little Pacers NBA talk before we turn back to college basketball at 1 o'clock? Alan Karpik of Golden Black Illustrated joining the program. Pacers, uh, got 13 games left. Trying to wrap things up here on a positive note. Haven't received an update on Benedict Mather and his ankle sprain. I can't imagine if it's up to him. Tyrese Halliburton won't play Thursday. I'll tell you why and a lot more after this.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
3: Go back to the fan midday show. Time flies when you're talking Colts free agency. We're up against it. (laughs) We're going to step away. We come back. Alan Karpik, the president and publisher of goldenblack.com, will join us, give us a preview of Purdue's path, as well as looking back on their Big Ten tournament dominance. Alan Karpik, Golden Black, with us on the Fan Midday Show next.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: Welcome back to the fan midday show inside the Drivehuber.com studios. Jimmy Cook and Scott Agnes. Eddie Garrison behind those ones and twos taking care of us all afternoon long. First four began last night no implications there for the Bullermakers, so they do have some this evening we'll get to that and more with our next guest the president and publisher of goldenblack.com Alan Karpik is going to join us here in just a second sorry I cheated we'll take behind the scenes I looked the at the phone, phone. I looked at the now. phone there was a phone number there I thought we were good <laughs> and those my on fault. YouTube probably see me and Eddie over here like no my apologies two minutes <laughs> in a second Alan Karpik will join us <laughs> all good We're fine. First four action last night. First four action tonight with in-state implications. Does that draw any more of you into the first game, the 16-16 versus action this evening, Scott Agnes? Not exactly. Again, you're talking about a 16 team here. They worked hard.
2: (laughs) Come on. I don't need the courtesy clap. I don't need the courtesy clap. Again, (laughs) I'll have it on. Absolutely. Give me all of that. I especially don't take it for granted, right? I don't think we ever will after 2020 and you know, not having a postseason tournament and all those type of things. I'm a big proponent. This may be a subject I should wait until we're done with our next interview. Let's get rid of the first four. I don't want it. (laughs) Back to 64 for me, and let's keep it moving.
3: I mean, I... (laughs) That's. I'll be honest. How, here's the better question. I'm not going to have a take, for, and I'm not saying you are. Yeah. I'm not going to have a take on that just to have a take. I really don't care. Like I, I'm one of those people, if you want to give me more basketball, I'm not going to turn down more basketball. It's fine. Yeah, but at some level, my, but
2: where I was going to take it next, Jimmy, was how long until there's 72, 80,
3: 96? Well, that, that, Why stop there's, here? There is no <laughs> how long or no if, it's when. Because Correct. Because everybody in college basketball continues to say, That is the path that's quickly approaching. And why is that?
2: Because there's more games. If there's more games, there's more TV. And if there's more TVs, action to broadcast, exactly what Jimmy just said, there's more money. Follow the dollars and cents.
3: It, It doesn't take much for me to get beyond, or get behind, rather, something that's going on with March Madness. It is my favorite time of year. There's a lot of people that feel that same way. In terms of locking everything down and will be working, of course, but when those games arrive Thursday at 1215 and Friday Slate as well, uh, I have plans set up where there's only a gap of like 15 to 20 minutes where there's not going to be college basketball uh, in front of me with some live bets ongoing as well, which has elevated things to a whole nother level. And from the Purdue standpoint, I mean, no coaching staff is going to look ahead or, or, or disregard the opponent that you're facing but yes if you're asking me with first four action as a Purdue fan are you really concerned about the 16 seed matchup uh, uh wherever no. it goes no you're not <laughs> but it's the larger path and it is in general still somebody's job on staff to have that scout and have everybody ready to go speaking of the Boilermakers now we have Alan Karpik the president and publisher of goldenblack.com. Always nice when he takes some time to chat with us, Alan. Thank you again, as always and kind of jumping right in uh, before we go look at the path for the Boulder makers with the selection Sunday announcements this past weekend, you obviously took in and were there for all of their path to the big 10 tournament title, obviously a brief scare with Rutgers, but then for the most part, able to guide their way and a brief scare as well with, at the end with Penn State, but guide their way to a Big Ten tournament title. Your overall takeaways from Chicago, the, the Big Ten tournament, and what you learned about the Bouldermakers capturing the Big Ten title?
5: You know, I think in the last five minutes of the Penn State game, it may have scared, may have turned to panic for <laughs> a decent time, especially with Brandon. Brandon Newman, uh, who's been a great, great player here down the stretch for Purdue, that's the one pass that he'd like to have back on the, trying to break the press. But, no, I think the takeaway is that this seems to be a team that's resilient, uh, can win close games. Now, maybe it's because they put themselves in close games from time to time. But Purdue has had a really good really run of that this year. the storyline of this year, they won a lot of close games. Yes, they won the big 10-by-3 games in the regular season, but that's because they won a lot of close games. Um, and I think that uh, the other thing that you, you see is that Zach E, I I think he really took another step. I mean, if the guy really needs to. kind of really, Even though he's still not making shots, it's quite the clip that I think you'd like to see if you're a Purdue fan or a Purdue coach uh, inside. He's, he was pretty darn dominant in that tournament. So it was just good for Purdue. If you're Purdue or if you're anybody, you always want to win championships. And uh, I think it was a great thing uh, to get the daily double, so to speak, to win the Big Ten regular season and the tournament championship.
2: I'm talking with Alan Carpick of Golden Black Illustrated here, Alan. To the greater picture for this, that accomplishment you just referenced, getting the, the double, uh, double championship wins, d- does that classify as one of the one of the better accomplishments we've seen from Matt Painter's teams here in the last decade? And perhaps maybe that'll change at the end of this season, depending on how far they can go.
5: Yeah, I don't think you can debate that. I mean, in terms of uh, he's never done it before. Purdue's never done it. Uh, uh, Purdue's not had a lot of success. As, as well-documented the Big Ten Tournament, only winning in 2000, what, 2010 or 2009, and then, of course, this past year. But, yeah, I think this year in general uh, has been one of the best accomplishments by Matt Painter as a head basketball coach. I mean, when you think about the Bulletinik as not being, being unranked, making the fastest rise, uh, in the history of the of the AP ranking, you to, to number one, and uh, being there, you know, it's caused some challenge. I think the last few years, it's probably for Purdue fans. It's uh, because Purdue had a meteoric rise of sorts last year, not as big a one, but uh, got to number one back uh, in 2022 as well. 21, 22. Uh, that has been a little bit of a challenge. If you get to a high level in November. Uh, there's that perception, oh, you're, 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 you peaked too soon. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure it was the case in either situation, last year or this year. They're very different teams. Uh, I just think that, uh, yes, it is one of the best accomplishments under Matt Painter and certainly one of the best accomplishments in the history of the program because it hasn't been number one uh, leading up to last year. Now they're the first team in, big, in the Big Ten since IU in 75-76 to be back to back number one to have to be back to back ranked right number one for consecutive seasons. So that's a that's a great accomplishment for the program, certainly in terms of recognition.
3: Alan everybody wants to point to after the Rutgers game, and after the Penn State game in the Big Ten tournament, the, the reminder of, wow, maybe this team can't handle pressure well. Maybe this team, if you get after them and you're very aggressive and physical with them, particularly the guard play, it might not necessarily falter, but it'll give you, as an opponent, avenues to get back into a game or, or to swing momentum. They still won, though. They were able to overcome that and obviously raise the trophy. When you look at maybe not individually their paths. I know that's hard to simulate, but when you look at where they are heading into March, is that still a concern for you, or is it elevated that they've had yet another jolt to the system, so to speak, of, okay, teams might do this to us, but we got up and lived to tell the tale?
5: Well, and, I, and for fans of our site at goldenblack.com, Brian Newbert wrote a good good piece on the, the data that does really does not support Yes, it's frantic in terms of, and yes, Purdue turned the ball over and too many times in the in situation. situations. But if you look at the entire season, Purdue actually ranks, and they actually have analytics for this, uh, high above average than that. I know that's counterintuitive to a lot of what Purdue fans think. Uh, I, I think it's a good sign that they've that they've been able to um, been able to weather the storm. Yes, you just don't want to turn over have the, the abundance of turnovers that have happened. But when you look at presses late in games, and a lot of times that's the case, nobody looks great in right. that situation <laughs> because the other team is desperate, trying to make something happen. And uh, if Rutgers is very good at making Purdue look frantic. Penn State, Purdue had a couple unforced errors, to say the least. But the big story, really, in all honesty, was – Ethan Morton misses two free throws, yeah. and, and Fletcher Lawyer, one of the best free throw shooters in the, in, and freshman free throw shooters in the country, misses two free throws. You hit those free throws, and you're not worried about what happened in the press situation as much. So I, I'm not passing it off as something that Matt Painter. Matt Painter's made comment that they work on it every day in practice. They need to make sure that they can handle pressure. But I don't think it's as big a deal as most people, uh, and certainly some people in the Purdue fan base are lamenting at this point.
2: Talking with talking about Purdue with Alan Karpik of Golden Black Illustrated. Alan, is it as simple as this team will go as far as Zach Eadie will take them this postseason and, and avoiding foul trouble and avoiding maybe a or trying to get past maybe a matchup that doesn't favor them as well?
5: I think it will go as simply as how much do other teams have to play Zach Eadie as opposed to Purdue having to adjust to what the other teams are doing. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to, and this is starting to every team in the tournament, but when you have a seven four guy that's the best player in the country, if they change to double them, can Purdue make a shot? And that is still going to be a key factor as well. Hanging on to the basketball, getting as many possessions as you can, getting as many. You know, Purdue's offensive rebounding percentage is one of the best in the country. They need to dominate that statistic. And when they're missing three, they need to make sure that uh, Caleb Thurston, Nathan Gillis, Zach Heady are cleaning things up inside. If that happens, I like Purdue's chances. You know, it's, it, none of it's going to be a walk in the park. Look at the way this season is gone. You guys have talked about this all year long. Yeah. This, is a, this is a year where it's very, very hard to predict what's going to happen. And that's just making this very interesting. But I think Purdue's got as good a chance as anybody. Uh, they obviously are the number one seed. I'm talking about making it to the final four. Uh, but none of it's going to be a walk in the park, as we know.
3: Sticking with Zach Eady for a second, Alan, I've seen Purdue fans with screenshots. I've seen the videos. All fan bases get frustrated with officials, and I get it. But in this instance, I I do tend to agree at times that, yeah, the officials, at least in the way the Big Ten was allowed to play, they let teams get away with a little bit more when trying to defend the big fella or grab a rebound from him or battle in the free-throw lane. When you look at the tournament, I know we don't have the assignments down for who's going to be officiating what, but when you look at the broader scale of the way the NCAA tournament is officiated and the way that the game is played today when you get into March Madness, is it a pro, is it a con, or is it indifferent on Zach Eadie heading into March Madness with the way he will be generating foul calls?
5: Well, the pretty faithful have to hope it's a pro. I think it can be. Uh, because you you know you're going to have uh, you're not going to have officials from the Big Ten you know familiarity breeds contempt and I think that's part of the problem you expect uh, teams have chosen to defend him very physically certain teams have not everybody has and I think that's been a factor but I also think that uh, again uh, you know look at what St. Peter's and again I know we're talking about two different teams in two but last year St. Peter's against Zach E and Travion Williams was able to physical and push him around. Zach Eadie had one of his worst games. Now he's a different player a year later, without question. But my point is, Purdue's got to adjust to the game. And I think that's the a team, stating the obvious here, the teams have been well determined, figure out a way to adjust to what's going on and make it happen. Uh, there's so many teams in the country uh, that can stop Zach Eadie inside. Purdue is very good, has been for most of the season, at getting the ball inside. And do that. But you can't have a day where uh, Braden Smith, and yet they did, and won a game, but Braden Smith and, and Setsu Lawyer go one for 16 between the two of them or whatever they did in the Big Ten tournament. You have to make enough shots to keep things honest. Uh, and yet, uh, I, I like Purdue. Because of all the tough games they've been through, and I think uh, some of the mental makeup of this team, even though they've got two freshmen in the backcourt, uh, I think David Jenkins Jr. is another wild card. He's a, he's a, what, a well-traveled, 4 school-type guy that has been a terrific player in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, if he can make some shots and also provide a little bit of that stability that you need, and things can go go, go south, and they will in the in the NCAA tournament for at least a period of time, I, I think that gives Purdue a, a good chance to continue to advance.
2: Allen, you referenced it, so I'll go back to it. How, if at all, does that St. Peter's loss, does it linger at all? Is it something they bring up? Or if they completely dismiss that and are on and to this new chapter with a, a new collection of players for this postseason?
5: Well, I think you have, you know, you obviously have so many guys. You talk about Lawyer and Smith and, and David Jenkins Jr. Uh, and others that are that are that really didn't play a huge part of that game. Uh, you know, that's a great question because I, I'm a big believer that the that the NCAA tournament is a bit of a randomized. Uh, it's like a roll of a dice, and, and I, obviously, if you've got to if you've got a better basketball team, it gives you a better chance. But it's a random event, and St. Saint, Saint Peter's. You know, ask Kentucky and certainly ask Purdue. Uh, they played harder. They played better uh, in those games. But I think that's a, oh, that's a little bit. It'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think that Purdue, Purdue's basketball team is tuned into what a lot of the fan base in this 43-year-old year drought that I'm old enough to remember. <laughs> uh, both Final Fours, but I certainly was old enough to remember the one in 1980 I was in college at the time. And my point is, I think that stuff bothers the fan base more than it bothers the team. Uh, and, I, and I think, yes, you, you want to make sure that you – I don't think Purdue overlooked St. Peter's last year. Uh, I just think St. Peter's played better and, and Purdue's star player, Jaden Ivey, had one of his worst games, definitely had his worst game of last year. You can't have that happen in the NCAA tournament. That's the lesson there. Zach Eadie can't go into the NCAA tournament and have a three-for-19 game. I don't think he's going to, but uh, he can't have his worst game of the year against a good basketball team or a hot basketball team and expect to win. That's the definition of the NCAA tournament. They always talk about the game. All all teams that have won it all, they always have one game where they have to overcome poor play to win. Purdue's done that at times this year. I think that bodes well. But, uh, again, your, your big boys have got to play well at the right time and Purdue's got to make enough shots and get enough shots to the rim. In other words, don't turn the ball over. All those things, I think, are a formula to produce success and its opportunity to get to Houston.
3: Alan Karpik, president and publisher of GoldenBlack.com, taking some time with us in the com studios on the Fan Midday Show. Alan, there's been times throughout the year where the likes of Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith it looked like world beaters to start the year and then, you know, progressed a little bit, had some struggles and have you know leveled out, it would appear, at least to their play in the Big Ten tournament. But that's a criticism, whether it's legitimate or not, is my thought on your takeaway from it of can the freshman guards carry the day? Can they step up? Right. It, can the team as a whole, not just the freshman guards, but as a whole, hit open looks from three? I know those are all real concerns, but focusing on the freshmen, is there any worry there or have you seen enough through the Big 10 tournament that okay sure it's a you're allowed to be a human and be an 18-year-old and have ups and downs as a freshman but have they kind of stabilized in your mind if any hiccups to start or in the middle of the season
5: Well I think Fletcher Lawyer's still struggling I mean he had the one shot that he made against Penn State which is a shot clock beater which is an amazing shot in its own right uh you, you know you worry a little bit about his he's had a little bit of a cap problem I think confidence is a big thing, but I also think David Jenkins Jr. has come in and, and maybe calmed the waters there in the placement of lawyer. Smith has really been really good. Now, there have been days, and like anybody else, there are days when he does not shoot it well, or he has a one-for-eight day. But go and look at his numbers, assist to turnover. For the most part, it's been extremely good. They are both freshmen. This is a new experience. Uh, this is a harrowing experience if you let it get to you, but these guys are both extremely confident guys, and I also think Matt Payne will be careful about, you know, if he sees signs that uh, Fletcher Lawyer's not getting the job done, he's going to go to David Jenkins Jr. without question. He's already starting to do that, but I don't anticipate he'll change the starting lineup with Fletcher Lawyer. Lawyer is a moxie-type player. Uh, a guy that we'll be talking about three or four years ago as, as being an all-Big Ten-level type player, in my view. Uh, he's just hit – he's he's struggled shooting the basketball of, of late for whatever reason, and I think that that, that is a, a part of things. But He does a lot of other things very well. What gets disconcerting is that when he doesn't make free throws at the end of the game. Again, a rare occurrence. It happened last game. Uh, you just have to keep his confidence level back. But he is a kid that is a confident kid. So my guess is this could be a new beginning for him. Uh, you know, one thing uh, one thing comment I'll make and that is that back in twenty nineteen, Carson Edwards, twenty eight percent shooting from three player from three point lane and big ten player. There were fans on our message board calling from Matt Payne, Matt, what are you doing? How can you keep playing Carson Edwards? Well, your ticket to and receive within one bounce in the final four against Virginia was Carson Edwards. I'm not comparing Fletcher Lawyer to Carson Edwards necessarily, (laughs) but I think that painter has learned you've got to show confidence in your guys, and I think that's in the storyline. He's tried to do that as much as possible, Fletcher Lawyer.
3: What was your takeaway from the draw on Sunday?
5: Um, You know, I I, I think people, (laughs) when you look at the blue blood factor, Purdue got a challenging, uh, when you look at the fact that Kentucky and, of course, Duke are in there. uh, But the good thing for Purdue is, no matter what, and I understand you trailed by nine points to Marquette, Purdue did back in November, but came back to win that game. I understand Purdue beat Duke by 20, and Duke is a is a much better team than it was at that time. But you walk into that game, and you got to talk about the freshman factor. They know that they can beat, that they've beaten Marquette. They've beaten uh, Duke. If they have to play Michigan State, if Michigan State would happen to upset Marquette, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, they beat Tennessee. Uh, you know, they've beaten Tennessee in recent years. Um, I think that's a good thing. It's a tough draw. Everybody has a tough yeah. draw. You know, the old the talk about Kansas moving out west and and uh, Alabama. Though Alabama might uh, have a good-looking draw just because the, the Crimson Tide are playing well right now. But none of it's easy. Uh, Marquette certainly is playing well. They played Madison Square Garden. But Purdue has to look at it this way, and I'm sure that they do. They're not looking that far ahead. You know, it's a good problem to have if you're Purdue that you've got to play Marquette in the Elite Eight. Uh, in the Elite Eight, that would be a good problem to have. Then you let you roll the dice and figure out if you can figure it out from there. It'd be a good problem to have to have to play Duke in the in the uh, first uh, Sweet Sixteen game because again, you would have advanced that far, and uh, you have to take it. You're going to have to beat good teams to win, and that's the storyline. You know, I think we will have a handful, handful on Sunday. I don't expect them to have this handful on Friday night. But on Sunday, that will be a, be a tough game, whether it's Memphis or Florida Atlantic. But it's the NCAA tournament, guys, and that's what yeah. the heck is supposed to happen. You are going to have great games uh, from, uh, I think, the round of 32 on to out the tournament.
3: Last question, Alan. Obviously, Purdue wants to win it all. Matt Painter would like to win it all. I'm sure they'd like to hang a Final Four banner, but you've covered this team as long as anybody, been a fan for as long as anybody. And I know you have a great pulse with the fan base as well. Barring a, a upset in the first round against uh, Texas Southern or, or Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, <laughs> yeah. what would be disappointing in your eyes with how you look back on this season? You'll have the memories of the regular season title and the Big Ten title, but for what this team could do, Is it Final Four or bust for you?
5: I don't think so, uh, because for for a couple of reasons. One, you've got everybody coming back. I know, Zach, it'll be the $64,000 question. Or in NIL terms, it might be the $500,000 question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, Whether he'll return. But uh, you know, I, I, I think I think you want this team to get to the second weekend and let the chips roll where they it would be disappointed if he didn't get to the chips team. And, and I know that there's pretty fans listening to you right now and say, Oh my gosh, there's anything else in the final four. <laughs> I just don't think you can look at the NCAA yeah. tournament. I do with anybody out there and say uh, i especially this year and say, is Alabama even disappointment if they get in the elite eight? Uh, I don't think so. And I, but I know every fan base is, and every fan base mourns uh, when their team uh, gets beat early, early on. I like Purdue's chances to, to, as good as much as any Purdue team in the last uh, 30 years to get to the final four, but it's still going to take the right bounce of the ball, the right thing to happen at the right time for the Board Makers to get there. So to answer your question, I'd say it would be disappointed if they don't get to the second weekend. That's, that's obvious when you're a number one team. But Purdue, Purdue the last time Purdue was a number one seed, it did not get to the second weekend. Tubby Smith and Georgia beat the Board of Makers in Albuquerque and Brad Miller and company. So you have to just take it one weekend, one, week, one game, one possession at a time and hope for the best. And I like Purdue's chances to do pretty well.
3: Alan, thank you as always. Always appreciate your work and enjoy the madness, my friend.
5: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you're a Purdue fan, Indiana fan, anybody out there, it's just a a great time of the year. You have to find a way to enjoy the ride, not stress over too much, (laughs) but uh, it it will be a fun experience, I'm sure.
3: Thanks, Alan. That's Alan Karpik of GoldenBlack.com, president and publisher. Always good to get his insights on the Maker's path and I mean, that's why it upsets so many different fan bases depending on what your culture is, or depending on what your expectations are. It is a make or break titles or no titles, Final Fours or no Final Fours sport. But yeah, it's it's incredibly tough. Very, very tough to do. <laughs> My two big
2: takeaways out of all all that was reiterating how what we love about March Madness, the craziness, is they could be the best team in each game, but for whatever reason, officiating, foul calls, shots not going down, freshmen having freshmen issues, right? Um, you know, that's the true madness. And then the other thing, Jimmy, was mentioning Zach Eady, and you know, presumably he's gone, but not necessarily. He's three years in. And th- I say the same thing about Trace Jackson Davis. Can I you alums build up another million dollars? If they do, how why could he say no to that? He he would have another year of eligibility. He does have if, another year of eligibility if he, with through NIL. If alums and local companies and all that
3: can can give him say two million dollars, would he stay? I'd be really surprised. Not that if they could get the money, they get the money, but no problem there. <laughs> uh, I'd be surprised if he stayed, based on just the way. And just the way senior night played out, the way the rest of the season has played out, I'd be surprised if he came back. I would not be surprised if Zach Eady came back, and maybe that is the Indiana fan of me, uh, like an until I see the body type of thing. But yeah, until I see Zach Eady not in a Purdue uniform or whatever the deadline is to make that type of decision, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. And I don't, I don't blame Eady. I don't like I. Here's the crazy. I wouldn't thing. blame Trace. Like it, it. Yeah. No, not at all. I mean, two of the most prideful programs in the sport get an opportunity to have a rare. Additional year, your basically, would be your COVID year. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be mad at either one of them they did. I'd be more surprised, though, if Trace did than Zach.
2: It'll be interesting more in the next couple of months after the NCAA tournaments, once we have a, a clear picture, I think, of maybe what their trade value is. I, I've said all along, really since Trace's freshman year, that if he was able to go through the true process where you have your pre-draft workouts with different teams, that's where he'll shine way more that's where he'll be able to really leave his mark with different franchises. And so I think as he goes through that, he'll be able to get a better picture of where he exists. And on the other side, for Zach Eady, what's fascinating about it is if this was not even three, five, maybe, yeah, let's say five years earlier, he, he's a lottery pick, right? Yeah. Big man who does things others cannot, who can who can literally cut down the net for their Big Ten title game without a ladder. Those are unique skill set that everyone
3: covets. That's Scott Agnes. I'm Jimmy Cook. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, the tweets are happening. The comments are being made. Is it something happen? Some... I must have missed it. We'll see <laughs> where. Uh, this, is, this is not even a great tease because you know who it is. One-star quarterback making rumblings potentially. We'll update you on those conversations and more after this on the Fan Midday Show.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Well, the news has finally spread. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee Show, which I presume is still ongoing. Aaron saying... Since Friday, my intention was to play for the New York Jets. And right now, it's all about figuring out compensation between the Jets and the Packers. And as I was kind of talking here between the break, Packers don't have much to to sit on right now. They don't have much leverage at all. They want to move off of Aaron. According to Aaron, he said that was true. He went into his darkness retreat and 90% felt like he was going to retire, came out of it. And apparently the Packers felt differently, according to Aaron Rodgers in his ongoing interview right now. So, Jimmy, we have that answer. Aaron Rodgers said his decision was really made Friday. This was not decision day. His decision was already made. He wanted to go on that show to clarify his position, and it sounds like maybe air some grievances. He spoke highly of Jordan Love, who's now taking over. This is just also eerie, also familiar of what went down with Brett Favre and the Packers so that Aaron Rodgers could take over and see what he could do. But now we have some clarity, and I think uh, that's the best thing is that you you look above on the TVs, on the various networks, and this is what everybody's talking about. We know NFL is the beast. It's the number one driver. That's why there's 500,000 people tuned in to that interview. And so now it's very interesting, too, to just see this kind of shakeup and the biggest winners, perhaps in all this, Chicago Bears as they lose their owner. <laughs> he had dominated that series. I always love that back and forth. And those are the things you miss out on. I think of the NBA and what and what I cover primarily. You don't have any rivalries anymore. That was a fun one because at least it was it was kind of Aaron Rodgers against the pa- or, excuse me against the Bears fans because it certainly outside of maybe your old timer fans it it couldn't be much of a rivalry. Because the Bears hadn't won anything in the last decade. Your thoughts.
3: So, the Favre comparisons are always going to be there for a number of different reasons. The retirement or taking some time. Uh, less dramatic in terms of definitively. Like that never happened, right? Never happened definitively. I'm done. I'm out. I'm retiring. In part because the Packers at the time basically gave Favre of an ultimatum around this time of year. Hey, you need to know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Make your decision. And regardless of where you land on history from 15 years ago, Favre wants to retire and then he gets a second win, wants to come back. They ended up trading him in August. So broad picture of all of this, of those two parallels, I'm happy still have to wait for the compensation to be settled out. I'm happy. This is something that's done now for both franchises, because this is not something that I wanted to be hanging over any further than it already is of this, black cloud of drama of what's going to happen in part because I want other teams to be able to freely make moves, be accessible from a cap standpoint and an asset standpoint and not having to worry about what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. I'm still in the mindset that I need to see the compensation and see the deal finalized because to your point, this is nothing more than a Aaron Rodgers sharing his side of the story of where things stand right now. And the other point, and this is a key one, no doubt putting pressure on the Packers to let's get this thing done. Let's be in the past, over with, figure out your compensation. Let's get things moving along.
2: And again, the Packers want to be done with him. They want off this contract that I think is something like $60 million for next season. So, Which is wild to think about when they were the right. ones that helped put pen to paper just a year ago. 100%. And so this helps them almost more than the Jets in this situation. Because otherwise, if they don't trade him, they are still on the books to owe Aaron to play for them. So that's why they don't have too much leverage here. I'm sure they're pushing for first-round picks, multiple picks, but I just don't really see them getting much. I think Packer fans, Jimmy, should be
3: bracing for
2: something very average, a third-round pick, and that's
3: it. I'd be surprised if it was just a third, and here's why. Because the Packers, we can say that they don't have leverage, and they don't have as much as they would if this was a more amicable situation. However... Barring Jordan Love becoming Aaron Rodgers or a Joe Burrow, which I don't see happening this year. Maybe he will, who knows? Yeah. Who's he throwing the ball to? I don't have an answer there right now. They're gonna be bad next year.
4: You're talking about Green Bay? Yes. Have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Okay. So so Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, NFC so,
3: North. So Again, two wide receivers yeah. that made a couple nice highlight plays towards the end of the year <laughs> that were both, I believe, rookies last year. Again, no proven commodities at the wide receiver realm. They're, They're going to have some Aaron Jones now. They are going to have space to spend. <laughs> what do they do? How do they surround him? Uh, in a small go- sample size from what I've seen out of Jordan Love, I'm not expecting much. People that are saying, oh, look what happened, like Packers fans especially, look what happened the last time we did this quarterback carousel. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is here and we're safe I'm not seeing that with Jordan Love so even though I don't they think do he's... need to move him it's not a pressurized situation to where they can't just sit back and be like alright, retire we'll take the cap hit this year Bye.
4: I don't think you've seen enough either way to say he's going to be good or he's going to be bad that's where
2: I'm at the sample size is way too small that I don't I don't have a strong opinion
3: either way, Jimmy it's not strong, but that's where I'm leaning. If you ask me where I'm at, I don't. I don't. If you ask me what do I have to choose, he's going to be good or he will be bad this year, just this year. Those are not good it odds. <laughs> it is. It's good in money general. either way. In general, in general. I, and this this is not a prediction. Where I'd be like, yeah. See, I t- I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm just trying to say if you were putting me in a situation where I have to pick. I'm not pumping my chest right now if I'm a Packers fan other than now we have cap space, what's next? I don't feel any better about the Packers quarterback situation right now than I do Indianapolis without a quarterback in hand. That's my overall feeling on Jordan Love. I would absolutely
2: feel much better if you're the Packers because you have something in hand. Sure, you you
3: do have something. And right now the Colts have absolutely nothing.
2: They have a prospect they clearly believe in enough to say, hey, one of the best ball throwers in the league ever. We're good for this year. We want to move on. Because if you didn't have... Have any kind of decent confidence in a guy like that? You're not making this decision.
3: They're, if you're the Packers,
2: yeah, I mean, but it, if you have no, if you have no convictions in Jordan Love whatsoever, or you're not doing them. to your point.
3: Well, that that could also be to a fault as well, right? We see GMs do that all the time. Okay, we're comfortable moving on because I believe in this guy. What they, then? It doesn't pan out.
2: But what they have to be careful of is it's it's way more likely they end up like the Colts are right now than they do continuing on oh, yeah. with this next guy for the next decade. The the Packers and then the Colts were very spoiled. Yes. Colts didn't have to worry about their quarterback position for a decade. They didn't expect to worry about it for another decade with Andrew Luck. And, they the, of course, the Packers had that with Brett Favre and then going on to Aaron Rodgers. The reality is those franchises were so lucky.
3: Yeah, I mean, the list is significantly longer of franchises that have been in quarterback purgatory Mm -hmm. than it is ones that have found the right guy, the hall of famer, the Packers are on that list. You can bank the Steelers in there with how much tenure they got at a big Ben. Like it, it, it's tough to find that generational talent. I don't know. I, is, is it more fair to say, well, I need to see more from Jordan love. That's fine. That's not what the Packers are saying. You to your point, you don't, send away Aaron Rodgers unless there's real bad blood there because, man, I think Jordan Love could be good. (laughs) Think in good enough. Not in this world. Not at all. But it
2: it will be interesting. Aaron in a different market, in a franchise that's not his own, right? Like, it's different growing up and, and making it your own versus kind of going into someone's house and trying to get comfortable in that guest bedroom for, what is it? We don't even know, a year, maybe two? That's about it. You're trying to not disrupt the household is what you're trying to do. But you also want to be comfortable. And so clearly he would like for a couple friends to come along with him. And I don't blame him. If we talked about earlier how I wanted you know Colts to, to get some safety nets. If I'm Aaron, that's exactly what you're wanting. You're wanting guys that you're already comfortable with, like a, a Randall Cobb. I don't know how much more he has left in him. But that allows you 100%. It gives you a guy that you don't even have to communicate with. You guys are on the same wavelength. That you give him a look, and he's running a quick out route or a quick in route, post route. Something that you two know just by the look of the coverage and the look or quick movement that he provides for you. But at least we have some clarity, I think, in this situation now. We just need to see the Packers and Jets come together on terms that's that's now the next move in all of this
3: and even though they were never really rumored to be one of those teams that's another quarterback needy team that is officially nearly officially off the board in terms of if you're the Colts looking back (laughs) behind your rearview mirror of what could happen at three there's still teams out there but it's a little bit better
4: I uh, just wanted to add this real quick. Uh, the Jets are one of four teams who can be forced into doing hard knocks if no other team volunteers. The Bears, oh, Saints, and the other three.
3: Please. Great point on your end. Oh, I would love it. but Because there's the thing I don't think that, look, broadcaster, radio personality, you wear the hat also of journalist. So you can speak to this a little bit better. I don't think the New York market is going to eat him up and spit him out. He's already used... I know it's a different market. I know the questions are maybe tougher. He's a robot. He's not, not going to say anything that's going to give them any nuggets. or <laughs> he, he is as well-programmed, even though he's had a couple moments of tongue-in-cheek comments, he is as well-programmed as any Derek Jeter, any robot you want to put in there of, I'm just going to give blank answers and you're not going to get anything from me. I don't think it's going to impact a veteran like Aaron Rodgers, that it would impact his play on the field. Do you? Like, I, I don't. Like, people make a big deal about the New York market. For some, yes. For Rogers, I, I don't see it
2: impacting his play on the field. Um, what I will say is he is very media conscious. He knows Oh yeah, really a little bit to a detriment what people are saying about him. But I think the reality is uh, that's what the majority of players do. Significant players out there. The, the, the players that come up to you or respond in interviews, I don't know what they're saying. I don't read anything. Oh, they read everything oh, yeah. this yep. morning. Yeah. That's the dead giveaway when they say that. That's my favorite. Because I can tell you, if they're not reading it directly... Someone's telling their them. Their buddy... Yeah. It's a group chat. It's a FaceTime. Yep. It's a screenshot. That's actually the most dangerous thing because a screenshot's capturing 100 words or a headline. And keep in mind, writers don't write their own headline. So sure. that's complicated. But I, I think that's one thing that that will be interesting to watch. Is I don't think it'll... Some some can't handle that. But there's now so many down uh, trickle-down effects here, Jimmy, that, that I'm fascinated with. is uh, He's talked long about having a relationship with Zach Wilson, and can he help mentor him in some respects, try to bring him along while understanding that this is all about winning now, obviously. This could be his last year. He's going to want to bring his friends and try to go for it. The defense was fantastic. What, top five, top seven defense in the league? Now you have a quarterback, now things get really interesting for the New York Jets. And on top of that, how about that division? We've seen Miami get feisty. Buffalo Bills are the team to beat. And by the way, there's that Patriots team with Bill Belichick. Therefore, you can never count them out. Things got really interesting in the AFC even more so. And by the way, if you bring it back local, another reason why the Colts need a quarterback.
3: You can add his name to the list. We've rattled (laughs) off the Burrows, to Allen, the Mahomes. You can add his name to the list. I hope, and I think it will, because I like how the Jets are built from an offensive standpoint at at minimum. And obviously they have Sauce Gardner. They have a nice defense as well. I hope this isn't like last year with the AFC West. The hype's going to be there, right? It's going to be overblown. The AFC West was thought to be, uh, take Kansas City, for example, or take the Chargers, for example. They're going to be in danger now because the Raiders and Broncos have made moves to get to where they're at. That's going to be the course of action taken by the way the AFC East is covered Aaron Rodgers is there Jalen Ramsey's in Miami I want it to live up to the hype I can't do anything but yell into the abyss and ask for that but I want it to live up to the hype this time
4: who's the best quarterback in the NFC now
2: that's an awfully good question
4: is it Dak Prescott is it Jalen Hurts
3: yeah I'd go I'd go Hurts right now I would go Hurts I would too I think Based off of performance last year going into this year, it's Jalen Hurts. No. Of all those you named. Kirk Cousins is on the list by default. But no, it's not Kirk Cousins. It's absolutely
2: among that group. It's Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And he's still on a rookie deal? Now, that's not going to be much longer. And that's, I think, why you're seeing not only the team's success lead to guys getting bigger deals elsewhere, but they also, the Eagles realize, hey, they're going to have to pay their quarterback here coming up. And that makes things even more difficult for a team. But in the meantime, yeah, there is not a lot of competition for best quarterback in the NFC. That's a great question, Eddie.
4: Matthew Stafford, if he gets right neck, he's up the, there.
2: His team's trying to trade him. What does that say about him?
4: Are I they mean, trying to right trade right him, or are they qualify. trying to trade the t- contract? <laughs>
3: well, like the Rams that, knew the it's Rams, all the same, right? Ultimately, I suppose the Rams knew the deal with the devil they made. Like that's correct.
0: It, they won. The, that is what they, it is.
2: they won. Yep, and it, for that. They should never apologize because you got that right. Yep, You got the one championship sure. and without him, you wouldn't know. But the criticism is that. fair
3: because we're two years removed from it and you're in tatters to some aspect. But to your point, the arms race, the literal arms race continues uh-huh. in the AFC and it puts more of the rationale that I know fans don't have as a fan. I get it. It is very hard to who stay level-headed, to not be as just knee-jerky or sky is falling when things don't play out immediately. The Colts just fell back another peg in theory of where you're ranking teams. I mean, the Jets were probably already ahead of them to begin with, but absolutely right now, today, not saying the Colts can't surpass that, not saying they can't get on track, but that is why if expectations are solely win the South or make the playoffs when you don't even know who the quarterback is going to be yet, it, you're setting yourself up for sadness and disappointment. You star.
4: It would have been great if the Jets had to play the Packers this year. Fortunately, they do not. Oh, man, that would have been fantastic. That
2: would have been the ultimate show that we all wanted to see, right? Just like Tom Brady going back to New England this year. As much as he and others want to downplay it, and I think for your own right, you want to try to mentally downplay it until it's over. <laughs> that's, that's an emotionally draining situation, mostly because of the people involved. The memories involved. It's the security people. It's the drive in. It's how he spent more than probably almost half his life has been in Green Bay fighting for his life on that field. It's amazing.
3: You mentioned the Lance Stevenson aspect of it earlier. Players like that all the time, or if you have the right connection with the franchise, it is a home to you. Those interpersonal relationships you have from top to bottom, yeah, you grow up there, literally, his entire adult life spent in Green Bay and I got to be honest had you asked me a year ago after he signed the contract I thought all right that's it you're not going to see him really on a not going to see him in the AFC you're not going to see him on a contender like he'll do what he can with Green Bay but they're not spending weapons on offense they haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round in I don't know how many years it's been now but not since at least six seasons at minimum of Rodgers complaining for an offensive weapon to add to his arsenal through the draft. They didn't do it. That's justifiable, I believe. Of not doing it? Of,
2: of, of his complaining. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Yes, yes. We're sitting here talking about a Colts rookie quarterback that they should surround with weapons. Yep. And, and they draft his replacement one year instead. And trade up for that pick, correct? <laughs> yes. That That would hurt me if I'm a Hall of Fame type quarterback like he is. And
3: you can make the argument that's where the chasm happened, right? Not to say there wasn't... Bad that's, blood before. That's but where at
2: least was felt, I think, publicly yes. yep. for the first time nationally. There might have been something local. Might have been felt a, a little bit more in that area. But no doubt. I, I think – and he was so outspoken. I think, wasn't he leading up to that draft saying, I'm looking for a receiver, looking for a receiver, and then boom, all of a sudden, your replacement <laughs> three years ago? It's tough. Yeah, that, that would be very tough. And I, I'm not sure – That's something you could ever get over, especially, Jimmy, when you consider the fact of that's what happened previously. He knows history. He studies history and recognizes and could read the writing on the wall. Lots more to come here, including Zach Kiefer, Colts beat reporter for The Athletic, coming up at 2 p.m., for a more cult-centric conversation. But I'm sure we'll dabble into Aaron Rodgers and how it directly impacts the rest of the league. This is the Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan will be right back.
0: This is- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you
2: is the fan midday show. We got answers on Aaron Rodgers. Colts have made a couple agreements with some players. We'll talk about that and a lot more. Zach Kiefer, the athletic, joining the midday show coming up at 2 p.m. Stay with us here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan.
0: two zero. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: One in central Indiana, appreciate you joining us here on the Fan Midday Show. Scott Agnes alongside Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. Behind the board, making all of this happen for you. Aaron Rodgers spoke to Pat McAfee for, I think, the last hour. Let's bring it back local, though, with the Colts, with Colts beat reporter for The Athletic, one of the greatest magazine feature writers in the country. I don't say that lightly. Zach for joining us. And, uh, Zach, I guess we'll start with that, though. Uh, we finally got some clarity on Aaron. How uh, do you think this directly impacts the league and maybe free agency? Was this holding anything up by your by your account?
6: Yeah, Scott, all I know is I'm glad I don't cover the Packers or the Jets. <laughs> this, would be, this would be sort of the thing that doesn't let you turn it off for the last couple of weeks, it's been hanging in the air. I mean, honestly, from a big-picture point of view, it's another elite quarterback heading to the AFC, right? Like, if you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC, it's a gauntlet. From the Colts' perspective, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Come week one, they're going to have the seventh different quarterback they've had in seven successive years. I mean, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I'm probably forgetting a couple. Joe Burrow. So it's absolutely loaded in that conference. And if you flip it to the NFC, you got Jalen Hurts and you got Matthew Stafford coming off an injury. And it's just not the same. So the easier road to the Super Bowl is going to come to the NFC this coming season. But but this is crazy. And honestly, the NFL never sleeps and it's never boring. Zach, it's
3: Jimmy I know we don't have the answer yet for who the Colts are going to take at four or what they're going to do in the draft, but is there any indication, at least from where you're tracking things, of if the plan would be if it's a rookie quarterback to acquire a veteran? And if so, does that make more pressure or more of an emphasis to get it done during this free agency period? Or is there more of a relaxed approach among the front office of trying to figure out that part of the equation?
6: Yeah, so let's go back to last year, right? They 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 needed a quarterback. They didn't know who it was going to be. They didn't love the market at that moment, and this is before Matt Ryan's side. So they didn't jump. They didn't jump at Mitchell Trubisky. They didn't jump at Jameis Winston. They didn't jump at Marcus Mariota. And they waited, and then something happened with Matt Ryan. We know that didn't work out. He'll be released. They'll save $17 million and still owe him $18 million in dead cat money. But to answer your question about this year, yeah, they need a bridge quarterback because – If they draft a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson, especially the latter, Richardson, I wouldn't expect him to play right away. He's going to need some time to learn the pro game, to to sort of grow up on the job. And there's a lot of quarterbacks out there like those two that would probably be better suited to sit for a year. So in that situation, the Colts are comfortable doing that. They're comfortable letting this guy sit um, and and play behind and learn behind a more veteran bridge-type quarterback, the guy that makes a lot of sense. That is available on the open market right now, excuse me, is Gardner Minshew, who, as the Colts know, lit them up a couple of years ago when he was in Jacksonville. He's been in Philly the last couple of years playing with Shane Steichen, so there's a familiarity there. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph might be an option, but the Colts are not going to want to spend a ton of money on that position, although you're going to get what you pay for. And there's a very real chance that that guy, that bridge quarterback, is your week one starter if the rookie's not ready. I think it's way more important to have the rookie fit and be ready when he's actually ready than to rush him in. So if you have to, you know, go 4 and 4 or whatever it is or 2 and 6, whatever it is, with a bridge quarterback in place, that's a very real reality for this team right now because really this draft pick is not about 2023. It's more so about 24 and 25 and 26. This is a long-term decision and you don't want to cut corners just to be better in 2023.
2: I'll tell you what, Zach, Zach Kiefer joining us at The Athletic. Nothing gets me more excited about the Colts season than thinking about Gardner Minshew behind center. Right? Like, like there needs to be some level of excitement and, I don't know, something to intrigue fans about the possibilities of what's next and to see that timeline. So, I guess – Ideally, you get the quarterback you want. He's able to start right away. But that's one of those, I think, if you're a Colts fan, you see maybe money not being spent where you necessarily want, and you're potentially not seeing your next quarterback start right away. I think that will make some Colts fans a little bit unsettled if that's the true reality.
6: I can tell you where the excitement will be it'll be on the sideline with the quarterback that's holding the clipboard <laughs> exactly. and starter. And, and the reality is the, the Colts can't think like that. They can't think about fan excitement and pleasing the fans early in the 2023 season. They've screwed this up. They've convinced themselves they were close. The last couple of years, they signed Philip Rivers. That worked out. And they thought, we can just keep going the veteran route. And they thought Carson Wentz was going to be here for four or five years. We know how that ended with the discussion the night after Week 17 in Jacksonville when Frank Reich apologized to Jim Irsay and thought and said, I thought I could change him, but I was wrong. And they said, we need to get a new quarterback. And they traded Carson and they went to Matt Ryan because they thought they were close. And they weren't. And everything fell apart this season. So trying to make these short-term plays to think that you're close to winning the division in the next year has really backfired. And they need to go back to square one. And if they're going to build this around a rookie quarterback, which is what they're doing right now with some of these moves in free agency, they need to do it the right way. And that's going to mean there's going to be some growing pains in the next couple of years. Zach
3: Kiefer covers the Colts for the Athletic. Nice enough to take some time with us. With the move that happened on Friday, Zach, with the Panthers trading up to go get the Bears, there's now you know panic among the fan base of, okay, what does that do for us, for our quarterback uh, prospects and hopes? Ballard obviously keeps his card close to the chest like a lot of GMs do, but with where you evaluate these quarterbacks or what you like about the set of four, of Young, of Levis, of Stroud, and of Richardson... If let's say Stroud and Young are gone, and it's a Levis or Richardson situation at four, is it we have to take one of these guys, or would you be surprised if they went best available at this stage?
6: No, you're you're playing with fire though, because the city might burn down if they're picking at four. Look, I can tell you how the Colts see it. Like they, they didn't they didn't think there was an absolute stud in this class. That's why they didn't trade up.
3: Right. And whether you
6: agree or disagree, that's. You know, my job is sort of to relay what the Colts are thinking about this. And if there was a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence, they would have traded up. And a lot of other teams would have traded up. And the other thing is there's not a chance in the world the Bears would have traded out. They would have stayed there and they would have taken this guy. And they would have figured out what to do with Justin Fields because he remains a question mark. So that's the reality of where they're at at for They didn't feel like their position changed a whole lot. I'm not sure I agree with that. I feel like their chances of getting the quarterback they really like lessened a little bit with another QB needy team up ahead of them with Carolina at one and with Houston at two. And you know, a lot of people think Houston will take Bryce Young if he's there. We'll see what Carolina does. But when you talk about Will Levis and Andy Richardson, I watched some of the tape on these guys, and it's really easy to talk yourself into these guys because of the physical traits, right? I mean, they have cannons for an arm. And when Will Levis said that at the combine. He wasn't kidding. I saw it in person at the workout. And then Richardson, literally, this is not hyperbole, this guy might be the most physically gifted quarterback prospect ever. Like, ever. Like, he's an absolute, absolute physical specimen. But he's a better prospect than he is a quarterback. And he's high on a lot of throws. And he doesn't process well. And he only started 12 games at Florida. And there was a lot that you wanted to see on the tape that you didn't see. But again, he's so young in his quarterback development. This is where the art of scouting really comes down to it, right? Like, where do you see this guy in three years, in five years? Can you coach up accuracy? Can you coach up pocket presence? I always go back to something Peyton Manning said years ago, and I know this is not apples to apples, but someone asked him, why do you always know when that blindside rusher is about to hit you? And why do you always throw it just before? How can you even see that guy? And Peyton was like, look, I've just always known. I've just always been able to feel that pressure. Some guys have that and some guys don't. And and one guy that comes to mind is, is Carson Wentz. Like huge cannon arm, absolute physical specimen, pretty poor pocket presence, and pretty bad decision making. So, you know, I think he's a he's a good recent example of a guy a team traded up to get at the number two pick in twenty sixteen that showed a lot of physical talent early and had a great season going, but hasn't been able to figure it out ever since. And if he plays next year, it'll be four teams in four years. So that's the game you got to play. But the Colts have a very recent example of a quarterback with all the physical attributes who couldn't really play the position as well as they needed to. And, again, you go back to Chris Ballard's comments after that season, after that disappointing end in Jacksonville, we asked him what was wrong with Carson. He just couldn't make the layups. And so if these guys are missing five-yard outs, that's a serious problem. You don't often have these 70-yard highlight throws that you see in the pro days and at the combine. Like, can you hit the short, accurate throws you need to? That's a big part of this as well. And, and Levis and Richardson have struggled at that as well.
2: Yeah, and can you go through your progressions and quickly make those instinctual things, uh, the details, and those are the things I think we saw that were lap- lacking when it came to Carson Wentz. And you mentioned uh, Zach Kiefer joins us here. You mentioned you know the little things, the know-how from Peyton back in the day. One of the things I always appreciated was when the refs blew a, a play dead, he immediately immediately threw it down to the ground. Maybe to not get hit, whatever. I really like that from him, um, for example. To go back to the draft combine, Zach, I'm curious. Knowing that the Colts have to attack this quarterback position, walk us through your combine. How differently, if at all, did you approach this, and how much did you try to take in specifically the quarterbacks knowing what lies ahead?
6: Yeah, this is a totally different combine for me. Eight or nine I've been to in the last couple of years. But I've never known they were going to draft a quarterback, and it really feels like that's going to be the outcome come April 27th. And, you know, this is the highest pick the Colts have had going back to 2012. It's been 11 years since they drafted a quarterback in round one. We all know who they took that year at the top of the draft. That was easy, right? That was pretty easy. The last two times the Colts took a quarterback at the top, it was pretty easy because you had – that first pick and you didn't have to really worry about what other teams were going to do. This is completely different. And this is how the other half live, right? This is how the Browns and the, (laughs) and all these other teams have seen it for so many years. And it's why Lawrence and Burrow and those guys are so rare, but what I wanted to do, excuse me, my lunch just won't go down. Um, (laughs) is I really wanted to feel these guys during the interviews because I don't feel like the combine workout really tells us that much. It's not football, right? It's the Underwear Olympics. We knew Anthony Richardson was going to star. He did. Levis was good. Stroud was sharp. But these aren't football plays. Nobody's in their face. These guys are wide open. It's a scripted workout. It's not real football. And the better athletes tend to shine in those situations. I mean, a guy a couple years ago that shined in that situation, Zach Wilson, is is objectively terrible. And I don't know if where he's gonna go, but they got a new quarterback in New York and it's Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know what that means for Zach Wilson, but as an example, that's a guy who shined in workouts. What I wanted to feel was these guys during the interviews. And you can learn a lot. I mean it's fifteen minutes, they're getting a barrage of questions from all over the place, from college reporters, from NFL guys. All of them are random questions thrown at them very quickly and they have to think on their feet. And they're often being asked about their worst moments and their best moments and where they're going to live the next five or six years. So it's a fascinating study into these guys' character. And it's also something Shane Steichen, and the Colts' new head coach brought up a couple of times. He didn't mention necessarily the physical attributes. Everybody knows what you want in a quarterback. You want that 6'4", six, 6'5", six, big arm, right? Everybody wants that. But it's the it factor that's really that intangible thing we talk about in football a lot, that You know, Peyton had it, right? Just that obsessive want to to get better. And Steichen mentioned his interview with Justin Herbert a couple years ago when he was with the Chargers, when Herbert would walk him through every single day during the week when he was at Oregon getting ready for a Saturday game. And that stood out to him. It's like, this guy is going to be ready for the next level when you're preparing Monday through Saturday to get ready for Sunday games. And then he talked about Jalen Hurts, who just had a monster breakout season with the Eagles under Steichen's tutelage. You know, really just being absolutely obsessed and a lot of guys are going to say that during these interviews but when you look at them and you hear them and you pay attention do you really believe them and and that's really the most interesting thing for me at the combine I thought Stroud was really polished Bryce Young was was very soft-spoken and I think honestly it might be a little difficult for him to lead an NFL locker room early in his career it's not just his height but it's his voice um, but again he, he did it Alabama and if you could do it there you could probably do it in the NFL so We'll see, but but Richardson Richardson is a he's a case study because he's got every physical attribute you need, but he's so young in his quarterback development and, and coming in in the NFL, the players know like they know if you're just picked because you look great and you can throw it 70 yards, and they also know if you can hit you know a third and eight out route where the ball needs to be exactly where it needs to be. So that's going to be the fun part because there's no easy decision in this draft, and if you watch the tape of all four you can convince yourself that each one of them is going to be a good NFL quarterback.
3: Zach Kikifer of The Athletic taking some time with us. Zach, I know you've been on this throughout the Colts free agency process, but you mentioned on Twitter they re-sign Ashton Doolin. You estimated their cap space right around $24, 25000000 Kind of a two-part question. One, with Matt Ryan likely to come off the books here, they've already made the intentions, at least via reports, they are going to cut him to save money. And then um, with Stephon Gilmore being sent off, again, kind of a cap-saving move there. A, are the cap saving moves done in your mind, or at least the blatant ones that need to be done? And then B, where do you feel they'll attack first with this newfound wealth that they can spend in free agency? If they'll spend.
6: <laughs> yeah, that, that's the second part. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to spend it. I know they have it, and I know they probably will have more. It would not surprise me if center Ryan Kelly is released. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. There are some rumors out there. I think it would save about $8 million. Same goes for Kenny Moore. But again, Kenny Moore didn't have a great season last year. He admitted after the season to me that he didn't click with Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator. Now Gus is back. But again, you don't have anything at corner right now. Yeah. Like I know Kenny doesn't play on the outside, but you got Isaiah Rogers and then a bunch of question marks. And so I think, you know, you sign a veteran corner, you probably draft on as well, but you need a nickel corner. You need that in this league as much as the offenses are throwing and as much as you're in nickel defense. So – those are two guys that i could see but again i don't know why they haven't done it yet maybe they're working the trade lines as well um what they're going to do with the money they're, they're going to do what you mentioned earlier they're going to probably sign a, a bridge quarterback those guys are not cheap even though they're not franchise quarterbacks it's still going to cost you double digits in the millions to sign one of the, go, those guys and i still think there's another splash it, it, it might not be super exciting. But if you watch the Colts last year, it might actually be because I think they should go pay a right guard a lot of money because you're going to be bringing in a rookie quarterback and the last thing you want to do is have that guy running for his life like Matt Ryan was, like Nick Foles was, and like Sam Ellinger was. I mean, 60 sacks last year. 60 sacks. And I know you've already dished out a lot of money on that line between Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith, but the reality is you have to do something with that unit. So I think that could be an option. With Doolin coming back, that probably lessens the chance that they pay Paris Campbell. We'll see. He probably has to take a discount. But again, it's not a great receiver market. So Paris has some options, and he's probably more attractive than he would be in the last couple of years. So we'll see. But um, they, you know, the Colts spending money is always a precarious prediction because they just haven't spent a lot of money the last couple of years.
2: And I'm all for spending it if there's a reason to do so. I hear that a lot with the Pacers. Is Why aren't they spending? Well, right now they're not even a contending team. So it would be foolish to spend for the sake of spending. So I kind of feel that a little bit for the next year or so with Chris Ballard and the Colts. Zach Kiefer uh, is with us. And Zach, you guys had an opportunity. I thought the timing was interesting in the middle of free agency, but a very good opportunity to meet some of the new faces around the Colts facility and some of the assistant coaches. You wrote about one of them. What did you learn during those press conferences yesterday?
6: Yeah, we had been wanting to talk to Jim Bob Cooter and Brian Mason, the offensive coordinator and new special teams coordinator for a while. So no, no fault of the Colts PR staff to get them to us yesterday, but obviously we were busy because there's free agency news happening as well. Look, Jim Bob Cooter, this was his first job in the NFL, was working as a grunt for the Colts coaching staff under Jim Caldwell. He's worked with a lot of great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning among them. Obviously, that's where he started. Jim Caldwell brought him to Detroit. He worked with Matthew Stafford. And and last year he was in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. So, obviously, the one thing that jumped out that Jim Bob Cooter said was, everything we do on offense is going to be built around one guy. It's going to be built around the quarterback. And that's just not something we've heard the the last couple of years. They've tried to not win in spite of the quarterback, but they've tried to win in different ways. It's almost like the Colts have been resisting where the NFL is going. And I understand there's a lot of context and nuance that goes into that. It's not like you can design the offense around Matt Ryan's running ability, right? I get that. They they had to live within the prohibit like the, the restrictions of these quarterbacks' talents. But everything signals they're going to go get this rookie quarterback and they're going to build it around him. And that's going to take some time. That's why you got to get the offensive line right. That's why you got to get some help at wide receiver. But having Jonathan Taylor coming back healthy, he's out in Arizona right now training, you know, that certainly helps. Having a guy like that in the backfield certainly makes the life of a rookie quarterback a little bit easier. So that's the offensive philosophy. That's what Shane Steichen has said, and that's what Jim Bob Cooter said. And then on the other side, it's, it's just really cool. Brian Mason is an Indianapolis guy. He's a Hoosier, graduated from Zionsville, you know, You know, went to D3 college, wasn't even thinking he was going to last that long in coaching, really started to love it and really climbed really fast and became one of the best special teams coaches in all of college football. And then about a month ago, got a call from a coach he'd never met in Shane Steichen, and Shane wanted him to come interview for the Colts. And he was like totally stunned he came and he sat down with Ballard and Steichen and then walked out of the interview thinking it went well, but also thinking there was no way that he, he locked up that job. And then about a, a week or so later, got another call and said he got the job. So a really rapid rise in the coaching ranks. But, I mean, this dude can coach. I mean, Notre Dame, seven block punts last year on a special teams unit. That's a school record for Notre Dame, and that's, that's not a small thing for that program with its history. So um, they put a lot of emphasis on special teams in Indy. Bubba Ventrone was really, really good. A lot of players were bummed that he left. But Brian Mason's a young, rising coach, and that's an interesting hire. So it was fun to get to know them a little bit yesterday.
3: Zach, where would you rank it in terms of being a game or a gain or perhaps offsetting? Obviously not a negative, but when you bring in Samson Ebukon from the 49ers yesterday, and you reported as well, likely, at least in your mind, where the numbers are at, rules out Yannick and Gakwe making a return is that offsetting is the net positive in your mind uh for that signing for the Colts
6: yeah it's it's probably not as splashy of a name as lot of people think but I think it could be a net positive and here's why and Ngakwe didn't really play the run he just didn't play the run and 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 I, there was never a point last season where I said to myself they've got to bring back Ngakwe really good dude enjoyed getting to know him enjoyed writing about him and really was involved in the community. And he had nine and a half sacks, and that's no small feat in this town where they've needed pass rush for a long time, really since Mathis retired. But the reality is a couple of those came late in halves in situations where the team had to throw, and some of them were unblocked. Now, that's not Ngakwe's fault, but every sack is not created equal. And there were so many times late in games when they needed one play defensively or one stop or one hurry or one deflection or one sack, and they couldn't get it. And that's why he was here. That's why he was here and he didn't deliver that. So I always felt like they were ready to move on from him as opposed to give him, you know, the big contract he's been wanting for a couple of years. He's bounced around for a couple of teams. So, you know, with the new guy, he can play the run a little bit better. He's coming off a season where he started opposite maybe the best pass rusher in the league in Nick Bosa in San Francisco. So he was a part of an unbelievable defense in San Francisco. Um, and this helps because they've got three horses now. They got Dio, they got Quiddipay, and they got Samson. And so that's going to help. You know, Chris Ballard. This might be on his gravestone one day. You could never have enough pass rush. The guy loves defensive <laughs> linemen like he loves his own children. So if you're going to make a bet on free agency before it starts every year, bet that the Colts will sign a defensive lineman of some sort. So that was the signing yesterday night. I think it's a net positive if he can stop the run a little bit better. We'll see, but you know, in the middle are their two best players on defense last year with Shaq Leonard out, that being Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. So you really like this defensive line if the new guy can live up to the contract.
2: You led me right to my last question, that's about Shaq Leonard. Is he the biggest question mark among the guys currently on the roster that the Colts and everyone tries to get clarity of over the next few months?
6: Yeah, I don't think there's a close second, to be honest. You know, they let – they let Bobby Okereke leave in free agency, and maybe not the splashiest player, but the, the dude was dependable, missed one start in four years, ton of tackles, could play multiple positions at the linebacker spot. You know, they let him walk, and, and E.J. Speed, who is back, is a little bit more limited in his experience, but he's like, look, we lost a, we lost a, a warrior in, in Bobby Okereke, and they did. Mm-hmm. The, the gamble is that 53 will be back. And nobody can really know at this point. I don't think Chris Ballard knows. I don't think Darius, Shaq, Leonard knows for sure. It's one of those scary nerve and you know injuries that just takes a little bit of time. But they've got good reports the last couple of months. They feel like he's on his way. But again, this is something that I think a lot of Colts fans out there listening are not going to believe until they see him on the field. And I think the Colts are the same way. So um, there's no replicating his skill set. No one can do what he does. Zaire Franklin had an unbelievable year most franchise most tackles in franchise history. But the reality is this team needs to turn the ball over more. And there's one guy that can do that more than any other in football, really, and it's Shaq Leonard. So he needs to be back and, and if he is, that's what a jump start for the defense.
3: Zach, last question on my end. Uh, anybody ever take a page out of Rodgers' playbook with you and hit you with a lose this number that, that, that ever happened before in your in your career?
6: No, I have. I have. I, I'm sure they've thought that. I have thought that. I have never been told that to be honest. Usually, it's just uh, it's it's no comment or it's no response. But um, hey, I actually thought it was pretty funny that Shifter put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might as well just own it, and there's no shame in him trying to get a hold of the quarterback that oh, yeah. everybody was waiting on.
2: Not at all. That's just doing your job as a nope. journalist. Nope. So, Zach, appreciate the time we went along with you. Great work, as always, over at The Athletic. Thanks, Zach.
6: Thanks, guys. That's
2: Zach. That's Zach Kiefer of The Athletic joining us here. beat reporter does a great job. And, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And, again, that was one of my things I did not like so far of what I've seen from the tweets about Aaron Rodgers talking earlier today was criticizing the national or probably local as well reporters, any reporter, trying to reach out to him to try to get clarity. As a reporter, that is your job, trying to get firsthand knowledge, not necessarily even just from the agent. Or from their friend or someone close to them. It's trying to go directly to the source. And so I give them credit. That's not a detriment. Yeah, I mean, if, a- if I'm the player, I respect that. And then how I handle it's completely unique to my situation. Yeah. Maybe I give them a quote. Maybe I give them info on background, which means that you can use the info. Just don't tell people you got it directly from me. Sometimes that's necessary to get an accurate portrayal of what's out there and to the other side, yeah. Jimmy. That's what we're saying. On the other side, you need to see from Lamar Jackson because nobody is speaking for him.
3: I have a bigger issue with Rodgers or with any player uh, criticizing or, or 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 going after the local beat, right? Like, obviously, Zach does national stuff, too, but he's on that. James Boyd is on that. Joel Erickson's on that. Nate Atkins on that. The list goes on and on. Like They're trying to do their job. They want to be able to get your account on it if it's a story about you. I have a hard time believing that somebody as established as Adam Schefter has not had his hands dirty at some point in time with players. Like, I don't know the full relationship there with him and Rodgers. The national one, I don't have as much of a beef with, but what I do have the beef with is the act of reaching out. Like, Schefter did the right thing there. All you can do if you have the number is, hey, Mm -hmm. want to get your thoughts on this, care to comment. That's all I can do. You have anything to add? Yep. If not, that's fine. But yeah, the first thing you would
2: hear as a journalist if you did not do that is, hey, why didn't you reach out? Yeah. Why didn't you call me?
3: You have my number? Or they wouldn't tell you that, but they would say it to the public, yeah, this story, they, they never reached out to me for comment. That's exactly
2: what he would have said yep. otherwise. Yep. And that's why, uh, yeah, those guys are doing the right thing. This is the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook, Scott Agnes. More after this here from the Fan Studios on 103, 107.5 and 93.5 The Fan.
0: Welcome back to the Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: Midday show during the break. Woj with the news. John Moran will meet with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver in New York. Today, that's progress. Making, you know, in his comeback to try to get back on the floor after he was reportedly getting counseling down in Florida. It's a tough situation because if you're, unless you're really him and you can feel what he can feel, you don't know when he'll be ready, if he's ready, what his state of mind is. Should he even finish out this season? But you can at least like, and I think respect his, these new actions that we've seen. And Jimmy, I, I think it's important for Adam Silver to meet with him. That's something I feel like we have not seen enough of or as much of in He's, the Adam Silver regime versus David Stern. Yeah,
3: I would agree with that. He's taken to this point. Again, I'll, I'll be forthright, right? Everybody has different mental health struggles that they go through. I I, I personally have never gone through counseling, I don't know what that process is like in terms of what the reaction should be in terms of he checked himself into a, a counseling office in Florida. Is that a, a one-day session or a couple-day session however long is there? I have no idea. That's at least a, a step of acknowledgement gone through that process to get himself in a proper space where he feels like he's ready to come back. Now he's done the right job to talk to the commissioner, figure out where things are at there. If I read that uh, tweet right from Wojnowski, and i think you might have mentioned this as well still some things to clean up in terms of their probe or their For investigation sure. of there's a lot uh, of there. everything they're trying to figure out before ultimately something is is made but yeah at this point the progression we've had from where the Joss situation was a week ago or two weeks ago whenever it was with you know the weapon being brandished on instagram live to his public acknowledgement on Twitter about I, I need to figure things out I need to get help that getting the could help have been a little bit better it definitely could have been <laughs> but but at, yeah. I, at broad scales for sure it's probably the steps are being made and I agree with you the silver thing is a much needed one as well also uh, totally unrelated more of a happy note uh, was going to say bring it up but then you went the jaw route which we said we were going to do so it didn't feel <laughs> appropriate thank you for the Ted Lasso theme song to bring us back podcast listeners won't listen won't get that because they don't get the audio but uh, thank you for that. Appreciate you. Good yeah, I here. mean,
4: I've told you time and time again. If you have a request, I will make you it. You honor happen.
3: it, and you're 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 a kind soul right
4: there.
2: And so. me being someone who has not, yet
3: I was going to cut you
2: off and say, that's Scott, you my know what bad. this is? because I know you don't nope. know what this
3: is, but I, I didn't figure I'd do it.
2: Yeah, that's hundred <laughs>
3: percent. That's on what you've looked so forward well,
2: to. Well done, so, Eddie. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's something that, you know, maybe next week and try to get into. I don't know. It's it's tough. Maybe I just wait till the Pacers season's up, quite frankly, and then get into shows because during the season, it's so hard to have something to be committed to because, for example, take last night. It's not debating what show or what movie to watch, Jimmy. It's, all right, first four is on this screen. Which NBA game do I watch here while I write a story? And, you know, that type of thing. But I have heard not one person go, yeah, that's a little bit overrated. I just didn't enjoy it. Not one person has said that. Now, there have been some to the extreme of best show ever. I love this. It's changed my life to the majority. Just that was
3: fantastic. I want more. Are you as because I think the answer is yes given your background. Are you as big of a playoff guy when it rolls around for the NBA as I am? Absolutely. So that your path isn't until June, man. No, but uh, the difference or maybe is, days off in between The games.
2: difference is without the Pacers participating, there's not a practice to fair, go to. Fair. There's not a shoot around. Fair. There's not a game to physically okay. be present at. Okay. So maybe So daytime watching? Maybe you get your your day story done. Sure. You mix in a show? Uh, why you make a nice dinner for once rather than grabbing takeout? I'm sure that's nice. Before the games get yeah. started. And and once you get past the first round, when it's coming at you hot and heavy, there's three games a night and it's hard to keep track of. Once you get to the second, certainly the third round, yeah. then it's one game a night. Right. And if it's the West Coast game, good luck getting it started before nine PM. <laughs> so you might as well get started at, you know, six, seven, whatever. But I will say, once it comes the offseason. It's not so off, as you're well aware of, right? Then right. it's free agency. Then maybe, you know, it's a player change, a coaching yeah. change. Just the various things that come with an off season. Oh, by the way, then it enters tracking a lottery pick. Then it comes draft lottery, draft combine, all that different stuff. But, yeah, I do absolutely uh, – the, the other one I really want to get into is succession. That's the other one I've heard so many good things about. And that one, I believe, is on HBO Max, it which is. I definitely – um, half, but I do want to go back and kind of wrap up that conversation with John Moran because I think that's an important one. Uh, for one, does is he even good with playing the rest of the season? Like, is I'm he sure, good
3: or is the NBA good? I go with him because that's what matters first. Like, and foremost. like when you say good, do you mean mentally ready or that he wants to play?
2: I mean, is he mentally
3: stable? Okay, Cause Cause that, to be clear, because he's got a lot on
2: his plate. Right. right? Oh yeah. He's got a family being a franchise player. Yes. The weight of being the face of the Memphis Grizzlies was possibly and likely going to be one of the next faces of the league, right? With Luca Giannis is kind of already among them, but that is so much pressure that none of us will ever be able to understand. Not even to the level of locally with being the face like Tyrese Halliburton. So there's that plus the off the court stuff, the, the alcohol he's acknowledged, um, bringing the gun. There's no place at all for that. And so this is balancing the fine line, Eddie, here, of getting mentally straight, being confident, comfortable with yourself – and then thinking about basketball. If I'm him, I'm not even thinking about basketball just yet.
4: I totally agree with you. The question I wanted to bring up to the two of you is, if you're John Morant and you're trying to get a fresh start, do you ask the Grizzlies to entertain trade offers for you? That way you can kind of get a fresh start with a different team, a different organization, a different fan base. You're out of the situation in the area in which you were not mentally right in. I don't want to use that proper way, but you weren't mentally healthy enough for the course of the season, is that something that comes across the mind of John Morant or even his agent?
2: I would presumably say absolutely not. It seemed like these were more conditions and f- a variety of factors. It's hard to know for sure. Like It didn't seem like this was city-related. I don't think it was we a don't, mem- yeah, now we We don't you, know, not, but yeah. you could argue maybe he was feeling threats inside the city. I can't even pretend to know that. Right. You could say, for certain, some of the people he was hanging around with clearly were not in his best interest. In a very different, less serious light, it was the same thing with Victor Oladipo. He had... Too many <laughs> poor influences in his life at several years ago. Now, it wasn't these off-the-court things, right? No. But telling him who he was and what he deserved and where he should play, those sorts of things. Those are different factors that these players have to put up with, deal with, manage. That's why so much of coaching, so much of being in a front office anymore, I think, is managing egos, managing personalities. That's why so many of these franchises have a a team psychologist on staff, yeah. sports psychologist, to help them navigate this foreign world. And he's Job Morant's twenty three. He's got his life ahead of him, but he's got to make a few more better decisions clearly and clean up a few things.
3: I always like to see the positive in people, 100%. the best interest in people. So I say that to answer your question about is he ready? Does he does he want to come back? And is he ready to come back? If you are assuming that all the steps he's taken to this point over the last week or two have been genuine steps going to, into counseling in Florida, going through that process, now meeting with the commissioner, and he's 100% involved in that process, you would assume that if you're me, looking at the positive of it, he has either found the answers or found a better path than where he was prior to those events happening, prior to mm-hmm. going to get help and going to get counseling. I don't think he's rushing back in the court then in his mindset and his frame. I think he wants to play, but I would think that he's in a better space now that he's not having a meeting with the commissioner about where are we at with things and when can we potentially suit back up if he wasn't ready in his mind. I would like to think that this has not been an expedited process to, "Eh, I just want to get back on the floor that he's taking it seriously. Here's
2: the other thing to keep in mind too with with all these players. Oftentimes it's your family. So it's the best thing. Oftentimes, yeah. after you you get help at whatever that is, to go back to that familiar environment where you are have all the support you needed, where you have a front office and an understanding coaching staff, and you are back with your teammates. Like, there is something special about that. That's why, for some of these players, that for certain things might get suspended a year. You know, maybe they, uh, you know, take something they cannot, whether NFL, NBA. Sometimes I think the worst thing is for them to be suspended from team facilities for a year. Yeah. You know, what does it hurt them to now maybe you don't take part in meetings, but I see nothing wrong with being able to use the training facility Yeah, to being able to to go in the weight room and get direct help from the strength and conditioning coach, for example. There's so many factors that go into that. But yes, absolutely. This is good progress, hopefully by John ja Morant and that he feels and acts differently to the to the level in which he needs to 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 be the professional That he is at just 23. Like, remember where you were at at that age, right? (laughs) Like, I know for me, you feel like you know everything. You're the guy. Sure. Hey, I know what I'm doing. You know, I have the answer. And then you hit 25, 26, and you realize you know far less than you ever did. And you never have the answers. And actually, one of the great joys to come in life is figuring out answers little by little. Whether it's taxes, buying a home, your job. Navigating relationships, um, there's so many factors that I I think almost all early twenty year olds are. Oh yeah, I, I know all the answers. Nah, the reality is
3: it's a very easy yeah, trap really to fall into, 100%. It, it, for sure. And it's natural, and it is to be human. For me, look, I love the NBA as much as you do. I I love Ja as a player. I love the type of impact that he's made in general on on Memphis, and just I'm sure as a player, you love seeing young fans repping your jerseys in the stands and being a part of a community. And and ja is clearly at least from his on the court, just success, likes what he's building in Memphis. I, I want both from him, from a human being standpoint, and from an athlete standpoint, sure. these paths to happen because not only of his family and, and and his close friends, but also what he does for the game of basketball. That you want this path to be a positive one. So far, so good in that regard. And by the way, you also want it to be sustainable. Yes.
2: Not for Indeed. the rest of the season or for the rest of the year. Indeed. You want you want something that gets it done for the long term. And it takes baby steps, absolutely. But that's Jimmy Cook. I'm Scott Agnes. This is the Fan Midday Show. Pacers on the road again tomorrow at Milwaukee. It's kind of the favorite game of the season for Tyrese Halliburton. Uncertain whether he will be playing tomorrow. Did not play. At Detroit over the weekend when they played two there, but just, what is it, 13 games remaining in this season? Game 70 upcoming, so winding down less than a month to go, but uh, Benedict Matherin was seen at practice. No real update on that front, which is a little bit surprising, too, because by now you know all the scans. You know what it looks like you know if he returns the rest of the season or what that might look like. But we await news on that here in the coming days, hopefully something by the end of the week. But more with us here on the Fan Midday Show here on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan after this. Stay with us. Back for the final time this afternoon, and uh, I think it's time for the favorite segment of the show for Jimmy. The
5: Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my boy. This is how I win.
3: Today's Plays of the Day. We're sticking with the first four. Going to take Fairleigh Dickinson, One of the money line, over Texas Southern, that at plus 120 odds. Look, I'll be honest with you. I don't really trust either of these teams, but I am going to take Arizona State. I think it's a last-second win for Hurley versus Alford in this matchup of Arizona State versus Nevada. They're minus one forty though on the money line. There's so just take that into your pocket as well. Three and zero yesterday. Love a good petty bet. Hofstra downs Rutgers at Rutgers yesterday. <laughs> Three and two on the week. Plays on Twitter at the Jake Cook. Eddie, you also had a perfect day yesterday. I
4: did another one. Now four and zero to start the week. We're feeling good, uh, Jimmy. In that game, you talked about Arizona State and Nevada. I am minus two and a half. I am taking. Arizona State. I think the Sun Devils absolutely just run Nevada out of the gym. They are not playing good basketball for the last month of the season. Arizona State, they played well in their conference tournament, and I really like the Sun Devils. Another player prop for you on the NBA side of things, Lakers Rockets tonight. I will take Jared Vanderbilt. Let's see if it's still there. It is under 10 and a half. I will take that. It's on DraftKings, minus 145, a little juice. Mine, under nine and a half is also okay. I like the wing depth uh, for the Houston Rockets to contain Vanderbilt on the inside. Plus, he's not known for his scoring ever since he uh, came over from the uh, Jazz to the Lakers. So, those are the two plays I'm rolling with.
3: Like them both, you, Mr. Agnes, decided to take a little... Toe in the water. You weren't necessarily giving bets, but you were sharing games you liked and maybe one side or another yesterday. I believe you had a one in one day for you. I think so. That's perfect mediocrity. That's exactly. totally fine. And
2: that's a perfect example of why maybe it's not the best for <laughs> everyone, right? Like, it was surprising to see the Denver Nuggets lose to the Toronto Raptors, who have not played well. I kind of need some more direction from the Raptors. What are they, where are they headed? What are yeah. they trying to do here? I was surprised, like most in the NBA, to see them sit out of the NBA trade deadline and the Nuggets have lost four in a row. That was bizarre to see, but the the obvious one here. Well, yesterday was the Pistons losing to the Washington Wizards. That was by 20. They had only one win in the last 12 games. They had just coming off a win over the Pacers. They were on the road and playing in a back-to-back. That one looked pretty obvious to me uh yesterday. Haven't hadn't looked at the slate of games until now. The one that interests me, I think Sacramento and Chicago mainly because of what Demana Sabonis continues to do out there in the West. how Sacramento very much in consideration for that second seed? Chicago a team that needs some direction here moving forward. Will Lonzo Ball even play again? Like, there's so many questions with that Chicago Bulls team. But that's at least the game, guys, tonight that I will keep my eye on.
3: Looking big picture with you in relation to the NBA. I have a futures bet that I made on the night of the trade. I've said this a couple times on the show. For the Suns to win the title. That was obviously on trade night. Kevin Durant injured since then. Mm-hmm. When you look at both the East and the West, I know we talked a lot about the Pacers, but big picture for those NBA fans. Do you have a lean? Is it the Bucks to win it all? Do you have a, a pathway to the Larry O'Brien trophy for any of the franchises that could possibly raise it in June. Yeah, to me, Jimmy, I see still
2: as a two-team race in the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee and Boston. I like Milwaukee, assuming health, assuming Chris Middleton's out there, to win it all. I think if Middleton was healthy for the playoffs and postseason last year, you would have seen them win their second ring. Giannis is just so good. Not talked enough about for the MVP conversation. I think he'd probably lead the players' vote. And be the favorite guy for that, just for what he does and how he continues to grow his game. I don't think that's uh, been played up enough about what he continues to add to his game, how they've been dominant at home. And by the way, we're going to see them firsthand tomorrow night, as the Bucks host the Pacers up in Milwaukee. And a reminder: the Pacers have never won in Pfizer form. That goes back yeah. what five years? They're due. And the
4: <laughs> that's,
2: they're due. I've heard that before from a different Eddie, plenty of times. <laughs> but uh, that's a situation where, if the Bucks are somewhat healthy with Giannis even out there they've lost by an average of like 18 points per game over the last four or five. So I hope that's a competitive game. And of course, a lot of that will do with what... Pacers have available? Will Tyrese Halliburton play? Will Miles Turner return to the lineup? We know Benedict Mathern will remain out with that ankle injury that we don't have a full clear picture on just right. yet. But to go back to your question, I think it's Milwaukee and Boston. My favorite would still lean Milwaukee. And out West, yeah, I think Phoenix, if fully healthy, is the favorite just because of the, the weapons you have. Yep. Although I'm concerned with the defense and what they have on the wing. I know they didn't want to give up Bridges. Be- for that primary reason, But uh, the Suns and Denver, I think are probably the favorites out there. Ultimately Sacramento, I'd love to see make a deep push.
3: I want to jump in real quick. I don't mean to cut across you. There's one more thing I wanted to ask you since you won't be in here tomorrow or Friday, Um, but you know, we could always potentially see you as things continue (laughs) to move along Uh, inside of a minute. Have you filled out your bracket yet? And if you haven't, is there any 512s or any upsets you want to share before we Ooh, get there great question have not done
2: that just yet um, so I'm working on an empty slate right now but I knew do know that you have to pick one of those 512s sure. just because that's what we've seen uh, over this last decade um,
3: I can not give them done. to you too if I have Go them in front for of it. me okay so San Diego State versus Charleston stop me if you sound one that sounds good Miami versus Drake uh, Duke versus Oral Roberts St. Mary's versus VCU are your 512 action tournament any
2: yeah. of those jump out to you? Not really.
3: Just the parody
2: throughout throughout here doesn't have me giddy about any one of those. I think I'm most interested in this tournament, Jimmy, is seeing, can a Big Ten team actually do something of relevance? That's been the big issue. I don't think they'll win it, but can a Big Ten team make it to the Final Four?
3: That's
5: Scott Agnes. I'm Jimmy Cook. We'll have more picks for you tomorrow. Brian No is in with me. John is next. Keep it right here.